What is going on, everybody? You got Chris Thomas. And I'm Corey Moore. And you're listening to the Running Back Sports Show, Sports for the Culture. What is going on, everybody? What is going on? And you're checking us out on 98.5 WJYN, Uptown Radio, and on UptownRadioPhilly.org. And we're also live on YouTube on Uptown Radio, on Uptown Radio 98.5. Man, it oh. is the last bit of summer is, you know, trying to break through before it hits fall. Oh, man, I can't wait. Yes. Yeah. Bring on the autumn season. That's right. And, you know, comes autumn, comes football, and we have plenty of that with a lot of week one action. We started off, started the season right, potential Super Bowl matchup. But, you know, it just shows that the Bills, a lot of people picked the Bills to go ahead and win the Super Bowl. And by their performance on Thursday night, they definitely proved a lot of people were like, hey, we're as good as everybody tries to make us out to be. Oh, most definitely. Yep. Most definitely. Yeah, and we got plenty to talk about today. We uh, a lot of week one matchups. Philadelphia Eagles went to a sold-out crowd in Detroit and Fort Field to take on the Detroit Lions. Commander Carson with his Washington debut taking on Doug Peterson's Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, the Sunday night football game and pretty much which means the end of the season already for the Dallas Cowboys. And Russell Wilson's let Broncos country. <laughs> let's ride. Oh, Going home to ride. the... How do you walk into Seattle? Man. Yeah, and, and let Gino show you up. Yeah, man, and yeah, we're definitely going to be talking to that. And if you want to call to join the discussion, that number is two one five seven six three nine five nine six. And we actually have a special guest calling in today, a guy who I met down at the Senior Bowl. His name is Tyler Fortis. He does cover uh, the Vikings for a Vikings podcast. He does. We played the Minnesota Vikings in the home opener this Monday in Lincoln yes. Financial Field. Yes. So he's going to call wait. in talk about you know their dominating win against the green bay packers and the week two matchup you know justin jefferson had nine less yards than the entire than aaron Rodgers' passing yards right you know i have a i don't dislike justin jefferson i mean i love justin jefferson <laughs> obviously you know i'm a philadelphia fan so just hearing the success of justin jefferson knowing that we wasted what two years on jalen rager um it's just it, it still is like rubbing salt in a wound. However, you know, I mean, I love the kid. He's, I would argue, already right now top three wide receiver in the league. Yeah, if not top five. Yeah, oh, well, he's definitely top five. Yeah. I mean, but if you're willing to put him in the conversation of top five, then you might as well just go ahead and just shoot all the way up. And, I mean, honestly, name me a better wide receiver right now. I mean, I'm really thinking about it. Name me a better wide receiver right now than Double J in Minnesota. Uh that guy that plays for Buffalo, number 14, Stefan Diggs. I love Stefan, yes. Do not get me wrong. Stefan is the route-running genius, like, savant. Uh, but Justin is not only route-running, he's athleticism, he's uh, height. I mean, he catches the ball at the highest point. I mean, he's just literally unguardable. I mean, we, we love to watch A.J. Brown put the always-open sign over his stall and – like, if Sunday's any indication of the rest of the season, <laughs> AJ's going to be always open. But I think JJ deserves to put that sign up in his stall, too. If, if AJ's always open, JJ ain't never been closed. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. It's just that for all the talk that Jalen Ramsey gets, and justifiably so, have you ever seen Jalen Ramsey just get completely manhandled in a single football game the way Stephon Diggs was able to do to him? 
I can't actually recall a period where I've ever seen Jalen Ramsey get smoked on anything. I can say that I do remember, I want to say it was a couple years ago, uh, I want to say it was right before Jalen actually got traded to the Rams when he was playing for Jacksonville, that uh, they played Miami, uh, not Miami, Kansas City. And yeah. I think Tyreek beat him deep there, but I don't, don't ever remember that. All right, and we got 605, coming back out Tyler. 98.5, WJ William running back sports. Hey, this is uh, Tyler calling in for my spot. Hey, Tyler, how's it going, man? It's Chris. Good, Chris. How are you? I'm good, man. Can't complain. We're, we actually was just talking about Justin Jefferson, you know, being – my co-host just says, like, name me a better wide receiver right now than Justin – than Double J. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I don't think there is one, and it, it, it's a very interesting conversation. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it definitely is an interesting conversation. You guys opening up the season and putting that whooping on the Green Bay Packers, that kind of – yeah, man, that kind of hurt. I'm I, listen. I'm not gonna lie. I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan, so just watching that whooping kind of hurt me a little. <laughs> One of the interesting things that uh, a lot of people don't realize, unless you're kind of invested in the NFC North or the rivalries, Aaron Rodgers doesn't historically have great success against the Vikings. He wins games, but he doesn't put up numbers. And outside of like a few plays here and there, he doesn't do a whole lot as far as like his spectacular stuff that you kind of think of when you think of Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Mike Zimmer did a fantastic job of holding him back and you know making other people beat the vikings and then ed donatel kind of continued that trend on sunday it was honestly pretty impressive but the best way to get to a great quarterback is getting to the quarterback with four and playing coverage and they were able to do that you're not going to be able to do that every week but uh i'll take it when i can get it yeah and uh you know speaking of you know your vikings are definitely new look brand spanking new went from mike zimmer to kevin o'connell uh how like, from that transition from a 4-3 to a 3-4, I know it's only been a one-game sample size, but going up against the reigning MVP, how would you, uh, you guys look pretty damn good. So if you had to give you guys a scale of 1 to 10 in terms of defensive performance, how would you, get, how would you grade them? I'd put it at about a 7.5. I think they did a really good job. They got 18 pressures, according to PFS charting, and four sacks, and they got home relatively easily. But the Packers were also missing their two all-pro offensive tackles, Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari. That's obviously going to play a big factor. Zadarius Smith was hungry. He was excited for this game. He was ready to prove to the team that pretty much cast him aside that he still had it, and he did just that. Daniel Hunter came back from his pec injury looking just as good as ever, but the cornerbacks are going to be a problem. Patrick Peterson is still a serviceable player, but he's not what he was when he was with the Arizona Cardinals. His body just is not the same anymore. Cameron Dantzler needs to take that next step here. I don't know if he'll be able to do that. And Andrew Booth Jr. can't get on the field because of either ankle injury or too many penalties. So if you are going to beat the Vikings, the best way to do it, block the pass rush and take advantage of these cornerbacks. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, Aaron Rodgers couldn't do either. So, well, to no, be fair, Aaron to be fair, Aaron Rodgers don't have the Eagles offense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we don't have Aaron Rodgers. That's definitely true. But outside of that, name me one position uh, group that's, that outperforms the Eagles on the Packers offense. You can't. The offensive line the is – The tackles. The who? When they're healthy. The who? The tackles. Oh. I would take Bakhtiari and Jenkins over um, – Lane Johnson? Mylotta and Johnson, but oh, it's close. Oh, wow. 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 Well, you're talking about Bakhtiari, who is who is an all-pro, arguably the best tackle in the league, and then Jenkins can play all five positions on the line at an incredibly high level. Plus, he has age on his side. Like, 
it's a very good conversation, and I wouldn't blame anybody for taking the Eagles side, but I would take the Packers guys. No, I, I um, I, listen, you actually make a very compelling um argument there. I just, and this is not really even biased. You know, I think that Lane Johnson has been vastly the most underrated uh, offensive lineman in the, since he's come into the league. Um, I would argue for the last, what, six to seven years, he's definitely been a top five tackle regardless if you're talking about left or right you talk about terms of consistency um you talk about i mean if you want to go to the analytical nerd route and go pff uh he literally grades out top five every single year um then you talk about jordan mylato on the other side who you know came in very raw project you know we didn't know what we were getting from him we just knew that you know he was an incredible athlete coming from a rugby background then he blossoms into a top I wouldn't, you know, say that, you know, he's necessarily a, a top 10 left tackle, but he's definitely in that top 12. Um, and then you put that with big Landon Dickerson, Jason Kelsey, who is um, just been Hall of Fame career, all pro every year. Then you then you have um, Sayamalu on the other side. I really, like I said, I'm, I don't even feel like, you know, I'm making this a really outlandish statement because it's been said by many analysts but I just the Eagles have a better offensive line than probably all but one team in the NFL like I if I'm really really thinking about it going down the line as long as they are healthy there is no see you talk about the tackles I talk about the interior position to put player to player position to position that offensive line will be is better than the Packers you talk about the running group they have they're deeper take away Aaron Jones and then even in if Miles Sanders is healthy see that's the problem with Miles Sanders we know Miles Sanders is great. The problem is he's never healthy to prove it. Uh, you put him, Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell. Then you got A.J. Always Open Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. Uh, you still got Quest. You, it's just it's a much better offense. The quarterback is the only position that clearly outweighs, you know, the Eagles. But outside of that, the Vikings got to deal with way more weapons. And then on the other side of the coin, you know, <laughs> not to say, you know, the Vikings – Ain't going to be ready, but that offensive line better be ready for uh, big Jordan Davis and the rest of that defensive line coming for him. Yeah, that, that's going to be the real test, and that to me is going to be the key to victory for both sides. Garrett Bradbury obviously has the struggles. He gets forklifted way too often in pass protection. In the run game, he can take on Jordan Davis, and I would feel pretty comfortable with that. In the passing game, I don't feel comfortable with Garrett Bradbury taking on a sack of potatoes. That's kind of where we're at with his career. Right. He just has mm -hmm. never been able to figure that piece out get enough sand in the pants in order to really anchor in enough. Because with the zone-blocking center, you're, you're not necessarily asking them to win. You're asking them to not lose. No, those that's are definitely two, true. With, with, two, with offensive linemen, they're two different things. He loses way too often. He had a pass-blocking grade in true pass sets at 12.2 uh, this past week against the Green Bay Packers. Kenny Clark ate his lunch. And he ate Ag Ingram's lunch, too. But Ag Ingram, first start as a rookie. A lot of it was just oversetting, just over overexcited stuff that you can kind of fix in the film room. I think he can go against Jordan Davis and be successful. Will he be every single play? No. But I think there are ways to mitigate that with how the Vikings use motion, play action, the boot action with Kirk Cousins. And I, if you don't get into a passing situation where you're down 10 points and you have to just drop back, I think the Vikings can come out of there with a win but they have to be able to at least keep up with the Eagles' offense, and the defense has to play somewhat similar to what they did on Sunday. Yeah, also I think 
probably the easiest thing for them to do. It's like I read a very important stat. Jordan Davis only played 22 snaps <laughs> on, um, on, on, the, on opening weekend against Detroit. However, in those 22 snaps, the Detroit Lions, because Detroit ran all over us. Oh, my God. But when Jordan Davis was <laughs> yeah, in the game, he only, the Lions only averaged 2.5 yards a carry. When Jordan Davis was out that lineup, they are they, yeah, it was a whopping ten. They literally averaged a first down every carry when Jordan Davis was not in the game. Oh. So, so I think pretty much you have a much more talented running back. Uh, so much as I love Philly Swift, Dalvin Cook is arguably probably the best all-purpose running back in in the National Football League. True. So true. I think in regards to you watch those matchups, you watch those rotations because Jonathan Gannon does love those rotations, and as we probably seen, like he's probably not going to shy away from him because. If we know one thing about Philly defensive coordinators, since Jim Johnson, they are stubborn and they are in their own ways, and that is their own worst enemy. You see, oh, Jordan Davis on the sidelines, running right up the middle with Dalvin Cook. Oh, Dalvin Cook is a little spell. We put some, we give some Alex Madison in there. But it's definitely going to be an interesting matchup because historically, Kirk Cousins does does the thing. He is very successful in terms of putting up. He worldly well Pro Bowl MVP stats. He plays against, well against us. Against us, yes. And now with Jordan Jefferson, Adam Thielen, who's still a legitimate threat. I mean, your wide receiver core is actually pretty legitimate and pretty deep, even without Justin Jefferson. My, so my so this worry. is definitely has the potential to be a shootout on Monday night. My no, it really doesn't have the potential to be a shootout. One of the interesting things that I saw, obviously we'll end up talking about the Jalen Rager trade, and how he's coming back to Philly with the Minnesota Vikings. And there's a lot of storylines there. But they ran 11 personnel over 60% of the time. Each time they ran 11 personnel, it was only the top three wide receivers, Jefferson, Thielen, and Osborne. And I'm curious how long that trend continues. Osborne was kind of a non-factor. Thielen had a couple big catches, but Jefferson was the star of the show. I don't know how much that had to do with the fact that they really took the, the pedal or the, the foot off the pedal at halftime. Uh, and they really kind of coasted to a victory because that's all they needed to do. But I look for those two, Thielen and Osborne, to really get more involved here this week. Yeah, yeah, because that match was going to be interesting. Slay is a top five corner. James Bradbury is a former Pro Bowler, and Avante Maddox, statistically in Pro Football Focus, is our, is the best slot corner in the entire National Football League. So those three going up against you know your big three in terms of depth chart or wide receiver, that's going to be a really interesting matchup. It is going to be a really interesting matchup, and I'm I'm intrigued because we saw in week one Kevin O'Connell, just like he did for Cooper Cup, did a fantastic job scheming him open. And one of the best plays, and I wrote it up for the Vikings Wire, was he ended up motioning Justin Jefferson into a position where he was um, lined up opposite edge rusher Preston Smith. And it, was, it just ended up being like a six-yard speed out, but it was a free six yards because they got him into an advantageous position. And I'm very curious the chess match that's going to go on with O'Connell and Gannon, figuring out how to uh, make those matchups happen, and then how is Gannon going to counteract that? Are they going to have Slate follow him completely? Something the Packers did not do with Jair Alexander. Are they going to just trust all of these guys to be able to go at him? Um, how is that going to work? How is that going to kind of work itself out throughout the game? That's going to be a really fun one to watch. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I um... I, I'm actually very scared about the game on Monday. I'm going to be completely honest. So I personally think that Minnesota, the whole city, the players, the team, they need their lick back. 
you know, ever since we got that victory on the way to the Super Bowl a few years back, you know, since then, you know, the Vikings, Eagles, want to say what? It's been kind of in Eagles' favor. Yeah. Um, and then here they come walking into Lincoln Financial on Monday. It's our home opener. We're going to, you know, and I get it. Sirianni, you know, likes to keep our team grounded, humble. It's going to be a raucous environment. It's, you know, it's the home game. It's Monday night football. Vikings already know they're going into it as an underdog. But the scary part about it is so did Detroit. And when you, real, when you walk into a stadium, rather it's your own or somebody else, and you're the underdog, and you know that nobody's picking you to win. Because let's be real. We're going to sit there and we're going to listen to a lot of analysts, you know, go through their takes this week. And again, majority are going to pick the Eagles. And for one reason, it's going because they're at home, not because necessarily the Vikings are worse, because I would argue that who scares me the most? We just watched DeAndre tear us apart. And I think DeAndre is about to show the world that he was always that dude, but he plays in Detroit. Dalvin don't need to show nobody he's that dude. He is that dude. And Dalvin's walking into Lincoln Financial against a defense who, outside of Jordan Davis' 22 plays, got thrashed all day long. We would have blew Detroit out had we even just stopped the run for half of the time that Jordan Davis wasn't on the field. Now, with Dalvin, once you have Dalvin playing that screen game, playing, you know, the inside, you know, run game, and then you got Jefferson on that outskirts, I really don't care if it's Darius Slay. I don't care if it's James Bradbury. I don't care if it's Avante Maddox or Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. That boy scares me. He scares me. So I do see it being a shootout. He's I, one of those one-on-ones. Yeah, yeah. He does definitely scares me. I think, you know, in this game, we're, the X-Factors are definitely Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cooks, and Justin Jefferson. You neutralize one of those three, you win the game. If you let those three go off, because if Justin Jefferson goes off, then that means Kirk Cousins is going off. If you let them go off, then I'm going to tell you now, as much as you know I'm a diehard Eagles fan, I don't see the, I don't see the win. Um, I would love to see the 5-0 run, but the Vikings, they're definitely going to be a tough run this week. Dalvin and Justin Jefferson are definitely, they scare me. They're going to give me nightmares till Monday night. They really should give you nightmares because they are three of, in, uh, in their perspective groups, Kirk Cousins is a top 15 quarterback. Where you have him, your mileage is going to vary. On a given week, he's between 8 and 15. He peaks at 8, and then he really doesn't deep dip too low because he does have a level of consistency. Dalvin <laughs> Cook is top by back. Justin Jefferson's a top five receiver. Top uh, three. Like, you're right. Yeah. Well, there's here's the thing. There's like ten top five receivers. Let's just be honest with ourselves. There's is, a lot is, of there, is there really though? Yes. Is there really? Yes. Devontae, mm-hmm. Stephon Diggs, uh, Cooper Cup, Again, Justin Jefferson, okay, Jamar okay, Chase. Okay. Like, so this is this is where we get spicy. This is where we get spicy. And I'm I gotta, just saying. Like, I gotta I, say we, this for the culture just once. I'm just stop putting Cooper Cup all the way up there. No, I understand st- he what? had one. Yes, you you heard me correctly. You heard me correctly. I will say it on the air. Listen, I will tell Cooper Cup to his face. Devontae Adams, yes, top three. Stephon Diggs, yeah, top three. Those two are interchangeable. In the last two years, Justin Jefferson came into the league. I am sorry if we're going to have the conversation and you're willing to put him in your top five, then you have to be. You have to have the argument, is he top three? Because, yes, you're talking about Cooper Cup, great year. You're talking about, you know, the Tyreek Hills. But if we're going to put stats up, we're going to talk about not only stats, but I, I read an advanced stat when it talked about the yard separation from where he catches the ball to the defender. It's insane. Like, it's – Four like, yards. Yeah. <laughs> I think the only other wide receiver in the NFL – who creates that much separation is Tyreek Hill, and that is because his separation comes from his burns. Mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson does that from the ins, the outs, the slants, the comebacks. When you put all of those intangibles together from the first game that boy stepped on the football field, 
if if we're going to say that he has enough longevity being two years in the game to put him in a top five wide receiver conversation, then yes, I'm putting him in top three. And Cooper Cup is not in my top three. I am sorry. I, I never apologize, said top Cooper. three. I said top five. Yeah, there's, you're right. There's about 12 top fives, but there's only three top threes. Okay. I, I don't know if I put Cup in the top five either because uh, one of the most underrated receivers, and Lord knows I don't know how I became underrated, is New Copkins. He's still a top five receiver, and people all of a sudden have just forgotten about him just because he plays on the West Coast. Oh, no, I haven't. I drafted him in all three of my fantasy Who? teams. <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, uh, D-Hop is all – see, that's the thing about D-Hop. D-Hop – see, D-Hop shouldn't have went to Arizona. I, like, I get it. I get it. You want the ring. You went to Arizona. You want the ring. You know, you wanted a better situation. Houston is a barn fire. Um, there was just no – That wasn't his fault. That was Bill O'Brien. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. But there was no, like, reality where DeAndre was going to win a ring in Houston. So I understand why he wanted out. I definitely do. But the minute he walked out, you, you know how it is. You know, um, I would argue T.O. went through the same thing when he left Philly. You know, a lot of top stars when they leave their teams – Unless they go somewhere else and do something even more epic, you kind of not so much forget about them. They're just like the sexy car that you just keep in the garage. And you see and you're like, oh, when I see it, oh, man, you're beautiful and you're great and you run phenomenally and you're still the, one of the best things in my life. But recency bias. And I think D-Hop is a product of recency bias. You're right. Like, I completely forgot about him. <laughs> like, you're completely – I com- the minute you say his name – Everybody moves. Yeah. Everybody moves. Because, but, again, yep. he's kind of been irrelevant in Arizona. I'm not saying he ain't been putting up the yards, but they're inconsistent out there. It is Arizona. He's the only consistency out there. I would because, argue Zach Ertz was the most consistent thing at the end of that year. No, because have you seen um, Kyler Murray's stats with DeAndre Hopkins and without it? Oh, well, like yeah, quarter, His quarterback yeah. rating drops like 10 points without DeAndre Hopkins on the field. Well, and we saw that playoff game without him. We've <laughs> seen how this offense has looked. Like, we even saw how it looked week one. That offense didn't do nothing outside of garbage time while Patrick Mahomes was throwing five touchdowns. Right. Five touchdown passes in in their in their own backyard. But can we make the fair assessment that n- name me three quarterbacks? That's only three I can name. Name me three quarterbacks that can pretty much make any wide receiver they have better than what they are. Because if I'm being honest, Kyler, yes, uh, his stats blew up since he got D Hop. But that says a lot because you know um, Josh Allen says a lot. Your stats didn't blow up until you got Stephon Diggs. You know. Um, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. They might be the only two now. Yeah. Are the only Mahomes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to agree with you, but don't disrespect Juju. And, like, their wide receivers aren't horrible. It's just Tyreek was the best one that left them. You know, no, but it, it, I think it's it's a twofold conversation because obviously that throughout the course of his career he's had Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. True, but true. he also he also made guys like Demarcus Robinson a very serviceable receiver, and like Miko's kind of been a bust. But honestly, they just they tried to draft Tyreek Hill Jr. and that was just a not very smart move. Like he he has made guys Byron Pringle, who. <laughs> the number like, three wide receiver he, on the Chicago Bears depth chart. <laughs> he has he has elevated receivers to a better place than they would have been otherwise, and I think that's the conversation we're having, right? Yes. And I, even though it's it might not be like, hey, Josh Allen is making Gabe Davis into a like a, a 
borderline number one wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Like Aaron Rodgers has done it with guys like Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb. Like all throughout his career, he's built these guys up. Devontae Adams, even. Like this connection they had was special, but Patrick Mahomes is on that same level. Really? It's just harder to see because of the two guys that he has at the top of the depth chart. Yeah, I agree with that. So mm-hmm. I'll give you that three. But outside of that, you know what? I'll even go both. If Lamar keeps us up, Lamar has to be in that conversation. Who? Lamar Jackson. Devin Duvernay, yep. Dar- Devin Duvernay and Rashard Bateman, those are your top two wide receivers on the depth chart right now. So I, I agree with you on one caveat. His legs is what makes his wide receivers better. Okay, but you got to think, did you watch that Jets game? He, he rarely ran. True. They true. kept him in the pocket. They kept being aggressive. And then he kept making throws in the pocket. But I would argue that the defense was structured so that they would prevent him from running, which also opens up the possibility of some of your passing lanes because you're taking away a linebacker. You're you're keeping a safety, you know, quarterback spy in. You know, you're playing box um, coverage. Okay, that's fair. But also that notion that Lamar can't throw or he's a runner. I'm not saying that. Oh, no, I'm not saying you. I'm saying plenty of people have gone ahead and gone with that notion. But – that's because they started listening to Bill Polian. <laughs> hey, hey, Bill Polian's the godfather of football. <laughs> he really is, and he, he built those Bills teams to to a tremendous level. But that one comment is something that will always linger in my brain. Like, look, it, it, Lamar was the most pro-ready quarterback coming out of that draft class, and if you didn't think that, you weren't watching Louisville football because he was running with Bobby Petrino pro-style concepts. Oh no, most. Most definitely. I think Lamar's what Lamar really suffer from, same thing Michael Vick suffer from, is that their legs are so far superior than their arm. You know, their athleticism is just so far superior than their arm. And Lamar Jackson, like, we see his throws. Yeah. Does he have the prettiest uh, um, delivery? No, not at all. You know, does he have foundational mechanics? Not at all. Like, you know, he's gotten better. But nothing watching him throw the football says – I want him top of my draft. When you watch him on the field, though, the boy wins constantly. He produces. And you're right. You know, if we really like, if I want to, like, throw the caveat out, even though I, I'm going to put the asterisk there, he makes his players better. I just, I, in this realm, I'm just talking about arm. It, does your arm make the players better? And I, there's not many quarterbacks in this league right now who makes their players better. That's why we are in a league right now where everybody's trying to get a, their quarterback a superstar wide receiver. Derek Carr was supposed to be the next Aaron Rodgers and all that. Derek Carr didn't be that. So what did you do? You started trying to get Aaron Ro- uh, Derek Carr weapons. You know, um, Jalen Hurts. Yes, we understand rookie contract, all that jazz. But why did they get A.J. Brown for Jalen Hurts? Because – perennial top five all-pro wide receivers, or at least of that caliber, is going to make your quarterback better. Throw the Mm -hmm. ball, and I'm going to catch the ball, or at least I'm going to give you the best shot. So I agree with you. I think, you know, the the only three quarterbacks that easily come to my mind now, which you saying to Patrick Mahomes, is going to be Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady even at 45, and Patrick Mahomes. And then Lamar Jackson is going to be like that 3-8, that 3-B for me. I will put him there. I'm just in this mode talking about, do my arm make you better? Can I throw you into position where it's between your hands and a drop? It ain't the defender. It ain't my throws. It's do you got the hands and the, and the mental acumen to be in this league? And I just think three quarterbacks are capable of that in the NFL. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Also, shout out to Justin Herbert. Probably had them like the nastiest throw of the week. Oh, you know I love me some Herbert Sherbert. Justin Herbert, like – 
I love Jalen. You know, and you know, I, you know, I get frustrated. We watch the game on Sunday. I get frustrated. Jalen has these Carson Wentz, Donovan McNabb throws in the dirt. You know, this you know takes a half second too long on his throws. I love Jalen. Man, oh man, tell me if I wouldn't trade Jalen in two first rounders for Justin Herbert. I mean, I'm pretty sure uh, my guy on the phone would do the same thing for Kirk Cousins. Yep. I, I would trade Kirk Cousins for a ham sandwich and a capable quarterback <laughs> on a decent contract. Kirk, and Kirk Cousins is good. Yeah, Kirk gets a bad rap. I, 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 I got to – I'm not a big Kirk fan, but Kirk gets a bad rap. You know, ever since the – you like that? You like that? It's just been downhill for his his reputation. <laughs> but he want to know why? Want to know why he gets a bad rap? It's the same reason Dak Prescott gets a bad rap. Oh, fourth round pick. Oh, no, oh. hear me out. Hear me out. Where guys were drafted immediately sets the perception on on what these guys' careers are. Okay, it's why Brady it took so long for him to get any kind of respect, in, and then once he did, well, then he had two Hall of Fame careers pre ACL and post ACL, but. Where you're drafted sets the perception for the rest of your career. That's your baseline. Matthew Stafford was really never great in Detroit. And there were a lot of different factors into that, some of it being the Detroit Lions, some of it being Matthew Stafford's um, deficiencies. Those deficiencies were still there for the Los Angeles Rams in that Super Bowl run. And they got lucky along the way in order to get to that game and they lived with those deficiencies, and they were able to maximize with the talent around him and Sean McVay to win that Super Bowl. But if Matthew Stafford and Kirk Cousins had their places flippy dude, where Cousins was the first overall pick and Stafford was the fourth rounder, you would see Kirk Cousins talked about in a much better light than Stafford is. Mm. It's because of where they were drafted. You know, I, you pointed that out, even though we had this conversation all the time when we're at the bar or wherever we're at and we're around the guys and we bring up, you know, the the unfair um, expectation we place on lower round draft picks as opposed to the higher round draft picks. And I don't think people actually really comprehend what, what, what we say when we say that because higher draft picks always get a longer leash, right? You know, when you talk about, you know, again, the Jalen Ragers, you know, the top picks, uh, the Alex Leatherwoods, the ones who get drafted high, and you know, first practice, first couple games, you're not what I should have drafted at high. But, you know, we're going to hold out. Whereas the lower round picks, they, you know, have to a higher steep decline. And when they get there, you know, you're right. Like, you know, you're thinking about, you know, Jalen Hurts, second round pick. If Jalen Hurts was a top five pick right now, they would talk, be talking about Jalen Hurts every year like, oh, Dark Horse MVP candidate. You know, he's just literally, you know, one mechanic away from being a perennial, you know, 10-time All-Pro quarterback, you know, Hall of Fame career. But because, you know, he's a second-round draft pick, because he walked in Carson Wentz's shadows for a year and a half uh, or half a year or whatever the case may be, because he had his unceremonious exit from Alabama, uh, compliments to Tua, wherever the case may be, he has an unfair, undue set of expectations that he has to produce at this, like, Dan Marino level for us to say, oh, yeah, you're the quarterback, when in reality, if he was Herbert's pick or any other top pick, he probably would have had the $250 million contract by now. Yeah, I mean, that and it's also just an unrealistic expectations. Not only the fact that it was late-round quarterbacks, but also just black quarterbacks, period. Yeah. Donovan McNabb was the second overall pick in the 1999 draft. And even until this day, like five NFC Championship games, one Super Bowl, multiple-time Pro Bowler, he was an MVP runner-up, and I believe in 2004, still people argue about how good he was. But when you he was on, perfect. Yeah, listen. The guy was throwing to Todd Pinkston, James Thrash, Freddie Mitchell in title games, in which 
<laughs> that <laughs> NFC James Championship, yes. Yeah, in, <laughs> in which you watch that Carolina game, Todd Pink, like James Thrash and Todd Pinkston were literally getting the ball ripped out of their hands by Ricky Manning Jr. And that accosted for interceptions on McNabb's part. McNabb was beaten up. He threw four touchdown passes on a broken ankle. I mean, he, he played half a season on a sports hernia, tore his ACL the following year, and played multiple games with a multiple thumb injury and still can't get the universal respect of being the best quarterback in franchise history. Well, I can let say that. Let, let me ask you guys a question about McNabb. Yes. I don't live in the market, so okay. I don't hear a lot of this stuff. You had him for a year. <laughs> oh, I forget about oh, that. Trust me, I know. But I, um, uh, in his heyday, like, one, how much of that has to do with, as you kind of alluded to, the fact that he's a black quarterback? Two, how much of that has to do with the fact that he wasn't Ricky Williams? Because we Ooh. know the infamous yes. video where Eagles fans booed him at the draft because they wanted Ricky Williams. Yeah. And Philadelphia is a very tough market. The fans are hardcore, and they don't forget. So I, I wonder, in your perspective, how that dichotomy um, ends up working out. Yeah, well, I'll let you have the fourth one because you're, you're older, so. Uh, <laughs> shade. No. Um, so as far as the Philadelphia market is concerned, Donovan's whole problem – the, the whole problem we had with him was threefold here. One was definitely the Ricky Williams, you know, uh, for God knows how long. The dirty 30. Yes. I mean, we've seen Ricky in Texas. You know, the chatter was loud that offseason. Ricky wanted to come to Philly. Like, it was in the cards. It was destiny. Like, we needed a, a running back so bad, and now you got a generational running back. that You know, the greatest to come out since the Barrys, the Emmets. You know, this is what the, at the time we were saying. I mean, listen, mm -hmm. I mean, God knows if we were a little bit more progressive 25 years ago and, you know, marijuana wasn't the great age rug that it is, you know, we talk about Ricky Waters having a better career than he did, you know, it uh, not Ricky Waters uh, or Ricky well, Williams, yeah. it, it costing him. Um, that was a big problem to why Donovan wasn't universally beloved in Philly. Also, a lot of it was Donovan was uh, just a down to the stadium, seeing Don McNabb on the main line, wherever the case may be. He was never really that friendly. Um, yeah. You can talk about Julia serving and all that, but there was no athlete outside of Wilt Chamberlain who embodied Um, and then we're thinking like, oh my God, we, we have the next great. It's amazing at this time. You know, you got quarterbacks, and we have a great quarterback. Don McNabb is slinging Steve balls McNair. 60 yards down the field. Steve McNair. And then one thing we don't talk about with Donovan, and it's just segue real quick, is Donovan is probably the greatest um, avoidance quarterback in the pocket next to Russell Wilson. And what I mean by that is the ability to escape um, pressure in the pocket, maintain the pocket, and still throw in the pocket. You don't really talk about that very often when you talk about quarterbacks. Russell Wilson, I would say, is the greatest ever. I would say after that is uh, Don McNabb. So, you know, 
the first two being Ricky Williams, second being, you know, he really wasn't Philadelphia like an Allen Iverson, Brian Dawkins. You know, they didn't – it wasn't Philly through with Dom McNabb. And then on top of that, Dom really started kind of just irking our souls with the, the you know, the underthrows and this, that, and forth. Listen, we understood we didn't have a great wide receiver core, but we expected, the, you know, our number two quarterback to be better than what he was. Yeah. And, yes, was he going to the Pro Bowl every year? Yes. Was Andy Reid driving us to the NFC Championship for five years straight, five out of eight years, or whatever the case may be? Yes. But we attribute that to Andy Reid, not Don McNabb. I mean, yeah, Don was great for us, and we give him respect, but he was never Philly. That's why, you know, God knows when he left, it was very easy for us to boo us the first time he came back. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is that as much as Philadelphia gets a bad rep, it's – not that much of a hard time to play. Well, yes, we boo when, when you're underperforming, but that just happens. It's it's sports. Here's the thing. When you come to Philly and you play with us, just give us 100% you can on the field and just embrace the Philadelphia culture. That's what made Allen Iverson so revered, so loved here. That's what made, you know, that Phillies team, you know, during the Charlie Manuel so loved. Oh, wait. Yeah, baby. Yeah, you know, that's what made guys like Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard, Chase, Chase Utley, Utley, you know, so revered in the city. That's why we love Brian Dawkins. That's why we love Reggie White. You know, that's why we love B. West, and that's why we love most of those guys because they embody Philadelphia. They they didn't avoid it. They actually embraced, you know, the fans. Like, hey, you know, the Philly fans, you know, they're a bunch of assholes, but, hey, there are assholes. And that's yeah. the, the thing about Donovan was that I – listen, as much as Donovan is a great quarterback, I still got grievances with him because he rarely takes accountability because when you watch his postgame interviews – he avoids a lot of blame. Oh, yeah. And he still does yes. to this day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like <laughs> The 2008 game against the Arizona Cardinals, he literally was like, well, I left my – oh, when I left the field, um, we had to leave. He literally threw Brian Dawkins and the defense under the bus. And then the following year to his last game against the Dallas Cowboys where he got blown out 34-14, to 14, he blamed the off – he blamed, you know, the wide receiver court. Man, we really showed our youth today. Like, how am I supposed to ride with you if you're not going to be accountable for anything that you do? Granted, is everything that would happen to you in your side of Philadelphia tend to your fault? No, not not at all. But the fact that you have zero accountability in terms of what you do and you always think you're right. And to me, my problems in regards to McNass still stems from the Terrell Owens fallout, where all you had to do was literally go up to Jeffrey Lurie like, yo, T.O.'s my guy. He's my number one wide receiver. We have finally gotten to a Super Bowl with him on our roster. Just give him more guaranteed money to shut him up, and we can just rock this thing out. No. Like, he, he took a stance where it's like, I don't get in the contract disputes. That's fine. If you're in – that's just the consistency thing. However, he then went to Brian – he then went to advocate for Brian Westbrook because they had the same agent to get him an extension, and that threw T.O. the wrong way. And ever since then, that kind of killed McNabb's reputation here in Philly because he was always – and people, plenty of people have said it, even teammates was like, Donovan never wanted to be a leader. He just wanted to be one of the guys. Yeah. And for a quarterback to be that talented and to be that revered in terms of being one of the most elite top players during that 2000s period, to avoid accountability – to not have any leadership, that's just something that just doesn't ride in Philly. Yeah, that's the like literally the worst thing you can do in Philadelphia is be anti Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> like he came to Philadelphia and listen, don't get me wrong, like I was a big Don McNabb fan. I grew I was a big Eagles fan, you yeah. know, so I wanted Don McNabb to be the greatest black quarterback of all time. You were supposed to be the next version of Randall Cunningham in Philadelphia. You were supposed to be we were supposed to love you for fifteen years. We y'all had Tom Brady in New England, we had Don McNabb. Like I remember like, you know, playing New England and arguing with people over Donovan versus Tom. Because at this time, you got to understand, Tom didn't have no chips. 
you know, Tom like Tom it was, was different. Right. You know, Tom was still the he was still like Chris he was still Ryan Reynolds before Ryan Reynolds really took off. He was Ryan Reynolds in waiting before the world recognized oh, who Ryan Reynolds just, was. I thought he was going to say just friends. No, 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 no. We got to go before that. Like, because okay. Ryan Reynolds was always GOAT. But what I mean is, like, he was Ryan Reynolds, like, you know. Blade Trinity, Ryan Reynolds. Yes. Yes. Most definitely. You know, so Donovan, we, like, Donovan was our version. You know, we had, like, oh, you got Peyton in Indianapolis. We got Donovan. You got Michael Vick in, you know, Atlanta. And that was another big argument, like, oh, yeah, Vick got the legs. Oh, yeah, you know, it's all. Michael Vick might be a superior, better athlete, you know, and he might, you know, can be unguardable on the field. But, you know, Donovan got the brain. Donovan got the arm, you know. And we used to always argue those – and then, but Donovan never really appreciated himself in Philadelphia. And then also I don't – I want to say Donovan never actually really took a next step. He came in and he did what he did. He, he never really peaked. He kind of just plateaued from day one to the time he left. He was great, but he was great when he came in. And he was great when he left. He didn't ascend. You know, Drew Brees reached levels. Peyton Manning reached levels. Tom reached unattainable goat levels. Donovan reached. Donovan was like, oh, my, I don't want to say this. Donovan was like uh, 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 Kevin Durant. He was the guy like, you know, he got you close, but he didn't get you all the way over. Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, um, people like to say James Harden, but I disagree with that assessment. They got you close, but they didn't get you over the hump. You know, that's what Donovan was. He got us close, but he didn't get us there. Then when you got us to the Super Bowl, Andy Reid was a very poor time manager, and you are a very poor game manager, and that cost us the Super Bowl. wasn't Tom Brady. We didn't even lose that badly. Yeah. Sorry for talking to you all, Tyler. <laughs> Oh, you are just fine. I, I love this because I was a big McNabb guy, but I was a bigger Dante Culpepper guy, and I still think if he doesn't shred his knee and the McCombs family didn't try to ruin the Vikings before selling him, then McNabb – or sorry, the Culpepper could have been a Hall of Famer. Oh, just, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was built like a linebacker and had a as big of an arm as, like, Josh Allen. The guy could throw it a country mile. He, he oh. was Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, yeah. Dante Culpepper, like, that arm was just, like, next level. And like, yo, you remember NFL Street? Dante Culpepper was always the quarterback I always pick. He was six foot six, could truck everybody, and he could move. Dante, he was, literally was a created player. Dante is what Jamarcus Russell wished he could have been. Mm-hmm. Because Dante's he was the same build. Jamarcus went number one. Yeah, and remember when Jamarcus came out, guys? Like, you know, remember we were comparing him. Yeah. You know, you got he had the Devonte arm. You know, he wasn't extremely mobile, but neither was Dante. But Dante was mobile enough. And he was powerful. See, I would love to say that Dante paved the way for a bust like Jamarcus Russell and successes like Cam Newton because that's the mode that they all fall under. But Dante was a monster. You know, I can't really recall. I mean, obviously you can being a, um, a Vikings uh, fan. I can't really recall why Dante didn't work out in Minnesota, but I do remember when he was in Minnesota, especially during those Randy years. I could not stand I, Dante Culpepper. I can tell you why. So, um, one one of the differences between Dante and, and all these other quarterbacks that you mentioned that were big, powerful arms, Dante was also the most accurate quarterback at the time in NCAA history. Mm-hmm. And then in 2004, he set the NFL record that's been broken by Drew Brees like seven times for <laughs> completion percentage. So, not only did he have a cannon, and he could run, and he could it absolutely destroy you, but he was accurate with the football. 
and that's that's a very lethal combination. His biggest issues were he wasn't the best at reading coverages. He fumbled a lot, and then when he shredded his knee in 05, Ooh. coming back in 06, he wanted to train on his own. New coach Brad Childress wanted him to train at the facility, and yet Childress made the joke that he was training in a strip mall next to an Orange Julius, and they ended up shipping him to Miami once Miami didn't get Drew Brees. And I remember that. that. He just he kind of just he just didn't work out after that. Really stinks because man, that 04 season, if Peyton doesn't throw 49 touchdowns, Culpepper runs away with the MVP. Yeah. Wait, who was the quarterback after you traded Culpepper? Um. Oh, it was. They tried uh, to make Tavares Jackson a thing. Wait, who? Tav- you remember Tavares? Tavares Jackson. Ja- oh, God. oh yeah, I remember. T-Jack, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, he had a couple of games. But he had a couple fact, of games. He was the last um, HBCU quarterback selected in the NFL draft. 2006, second round, 64 overall. Oh wow. Hey, Tavares Jackson, that's on it. The last, the only highlight I remember from Tavares Jackson is him getting choke slammed in that playoff game by Chris Clements <laughs> during that interception return. Oh yep. my lord! Uh, I uh, <laughs> Vikings. Uh, you know, that's maybe you can agree with me or disagree with me. This, I think, out of you know, if we talk like you know positions in history that kind of like our crutches, our curses, our flaws for the Eagles. Honestly, I want to say it was wide receiver. Like, if I really think about it, I can name some phenomenally yeah. great every other positions. Uh, quarterback, Randall, Jaworski. Um, I, can, I can go back to your great-great-grandfather's time. I mean, I can talk about Donovan. I can talk about Michael. I mean, I can talk about, you know. Even um, Nick. Who? Even Nick. Even Nick. You know, uh, running back, you know, the waters, the, you know, the, I mean, shh. Uh, um, Herm Montgomery. Edwards, you know. Wilbur Montgomery. Yeah, you know, linebackers. You Name linebackers, defensive ends. You can name them. Cornerbacks, yeah. Eric Allen, safeties. But wide receiver, you can't really name greats outside of Harold Carmichael. Vikings, I can name, like, I'm not a Vikings fan. I probably one of the least not information um, that I have in my head about when it comes to teams. But when I really think about Vikings very quickly, I think quarterback. Out of yep. all your positions, 100%. I think that's your biggest crutch in history is the inability to get a bona fide franchise quarterback. We haven't we haven't had one since Fran Tarkington. Um, Dante gave us hope, but then he tore his knee. Teddy Bridgewater gave us hope, and then he almost lost his leg. And Kirk Cousins is kind of that fringe guy, but everybody's looking to replace him. Yeah. It's either that or, or cornerback. The Vikings have a, a very storied history at defensive line, arguably the best defensive line group in the in NFL history. Purple people like, eaters. The purple people eaters, John <laughs> Randall, Jared Allen. Like Chris Dolman is the one that always gets forgotten about. He's got 140 sacks in his career. Yeah, but quarterback, Dennis Green always kept looking for the stop gaps, and they, that was in the age where he tried to develop guys. They developed ninth-round pick Brad Johnson into a starter. Like Rich Gannon. They pulled the leak plug on him too early, but he was trying to be developed into a starter as the ninth rounder. Like they tried in that facet, and then Denny's like, "Screw it! I've got Randall Cunningham. I have two first round picks. I'm taking a guy." And he got Culpepper. Well, I don't um, dislike the Vikings like I dislike Dallas or um, even Washington. So I will say this: I really do hope you get a franchise quarterback to go with Justin Jefferson. I just hope he never does well against us. 
<laughs> but Fair I enough. do. Justin Jefferson can go zero for zero. I just hope Jalen Rager goes eight for 120. Oh, man. I'm going to let you know now. Jalen Rager goes off on us on Monday. <laughs> we're not doing the show on Monday. We, I'm, we're not we're, doing the show. Yeah, we're going on vacation for the next, like, month because there's no way in the world we're ever going to live down a Jalen Rager resurgence in our town after you gave us nothing. And a guy <laughs> literally went globally famous talking about catching babies out of windows out out um outside of Jalen Rager, we cannot allow Jalen. Like you know what, Justin Jefferson give us he can give uh, that was Aguilar, yeah. but Rager was Rager was just a swerve because yeah. of the memes that he got. But Aguilar never had a great game here. Yeah. Rager can't have a great game. Our bus cannot come back here to have great games. I think that's for any team. You cannot trade away a guy who's become a bus and he comes back and dominates you. Like that's got to be the most embarrassing really hurtful thing to sleep with like yeah because you didn't do that for us but you had the nerve to do it against us on the first time you came back yeah listen i i would feel for eagles fans and i'll kind of leave it at this and then i gotta go um but if he did that i would listen to every eagles radio station just to hear the reaction <laughs> that it would be all-time stuff uh i don't know if you guys follow the college football super well but when Jackson State flipped number one recruit Travis Hunter from Florida State. There yes. were Florida State. There's a Florida State space called Fire Mike Norvell. <laughs> just fans going off, and they wrote like multiple articles from the Athletic on it. It was one of the funniest <laughs> things of all time. Like we're like big college football writers were sitting and listening to the space and writing articles in real time. Oh god, like, those Twitter spaces. I feel like it would be that kind of chaos and it would be beautiful to watch from the outside. Oh man. Yeah. Well, I'm telling you now, I don't pray, but I am praying a lot from here to Monday that Jalen Rager uh maybe he maybe he just like eats some bad Chinese and has bubble guts and just can't play. I just don't want to see a Jalen Rager game against us. Listen, listen, he's not going to have a good game. He's just going to have that critical third down catch that ices the We game. don't want him being Freddie Mitchell either. No four for 26. We don't need no highlight of you being able to go home talking about, you know what, I can sleep now because, you know, I didn't do well in Philly, but at least I had that good game to help us win. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tyler, one last question before uh, you got to go. I got to yeah. know because, you know, you guys used to be just like us, you know, before the Super uh, – before, you know, we got a Super Bowl – I got to know what conference championship game that you guys lost hurt, hurt, hurts the most. Is it 98, uh, 2010, or 2017? I'll tell you this. 2017 hurts the least um, because the, the one thing you need to understand about Vikings fans and why we're so endearing about the Minneapolis Miracles, nothing good ever happens to us. That stuff happens against us. You look at 2003 with the Nate Poole catch, which was NFL.com's number one radio call of all time when the Vikings – literally lost the playoffs in week 17 with a last-second touchdown from Josh McCown to Nate Poole. That happens to us. We we don't get that to happen for us. So when Diggs caught that ball, it was almost like a reward for dealing with every bad break, every missed kick, every 41 donut, every like piece of absolute BS that we've been handed throughout the course of our fandom. And it was a reward thing. You deserve this because you've dealt with all that crap. So 17 can't be it. 98, I legit cried after that game. I was, like, <laughs> I was nine years old. That was so painful, and that was the beginning of my Vikings fandom. So it was like, but 2009, that team would have smoked the Colts. That team was smoking the Saints. 
even though there are five turnovers in the game, two of which should have been called back for penalties that weren't called, which is a whole other story. But they outgained the Saints like 500 to 280. And they still almost won that game. Like, it, if, if there was no bounty gate and they weren't doing the, the pay-for-play gimmick and they weren't trying to absolutely murder Brett Favre, the Vikings walked into the Super Bowl and absolutely destroyed. That one hurts the most. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I honestly, you talking about it, like I was kind of my heart was breaking because I remember that, like, and I actually was pulling for you in the '08 one. Like, I was definitely pulled. That was the far year, right? Yeah, first. I was definitely yeah. pulling because I'm a big far fan. I still, been. I still just want to know what was on Brett Favre's mind throwing that ball like across the body, right across. He's the Brett oh, Favre. Here's, here's the thing: <laughs> it it is Brett Favre. You live with the Brett, you die with the Brett, and that's what made him great. And that's why he made so many mistakes because he had that mentality where I can make any play, which is a great thing to have, but it can cost you. And if uh, Brad Childress didn't have that 12 men in the huddle penalty right before that play, they'd probably just run a dive, kick the field goal of Longwell, and they'd go to the Super Bowl. And that is one of the things with being a Vikings fan. Those little things always haunt you. and They'll haunt you for the rest of your life. And we have to live with that because Brad Childers was an idiot. Yeah, I still remember that one radio call. He was like, "This isn't Detroit. This is the Super Bowl. That's on the line." <laughs> Before, oh so, yeah, um, yeah. It, All right, Tyler. I know you got to get going. Just tell the people how they can find you and uh, how to find you on social media. And what do you do? Absolutely. Well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Real Forno. I am the managing editor for USA Today's The Vikings Wire. Um, I also write for the Thirty Third Team. Do some gambling writing for Fantasy Points. And I host The Real Forno Show every Monday night at 6 p.m. Central on the Climbing the Pocket YouTube channel. Um, I post all of my stuff on my social media, so you'll be able to, to find it there. And, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to the game this weekend, guys. Skull Vikings. All right, man. Good. All right, guys. Uh, all right, Tyler, we appreciate the call. Good luck on Monday. Pleasure talking to you. Take it easy. Same to you guys. Take care. Thank you. All right. Yeah. All right. And once again, you listen to 98.5 WJY. Yeah, don't run a bad sports show. Sports for the culture. If you want to call to join the discussion, that number is 215-763-9596. If you want to talk to us about sports, if your team lost, you want to air your grievances, we will lend your ears. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, man. <clears throat> oh. Uh, Except for Cowboys fans, we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just about to just about to go there. But before we do. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, yeah, we talked a lot about, you know, week two. But let's talk about, you know, the Detroit matchup. Uh, so, whew. that game on Sunday started out really amazingly. Really amazingly. You know, DeAndre Swift. Gashes us. They drive completely down the field. And I remember walking up and talking to Jamal, who's unfortunately not here today. Um, shout out to you, Jamal. Yeah. Uh, but I remember telling him, I'm like, Detroit's going to start fast. You know, that's generally what happens against the Eagles teams. And it's odd. It doesn't matter if it's Doug. doesn't matter if it's Chip, um, Nick, Andy. You know, Andy was probably the best at it, but teams start out fast against us. Rather, it's one score, two scores, mm. and then we get settled. Uh, DeAndre really got us at first, and then we kind of like, you know, Jalen, they fluttered for a little bit, then they took over, you know, then they got up a couple. AJ was just completely unstoppable in the first half, which was just a beautiful sight to watch. 
And then we kind of went into this lull. You know, like, you know, we talked about the 38 points, and I know that's great. You know, I will take 38 points every week no matter how I get it because mm-hmm. nine times out of ten you're going to get a win. Um, But can we talk about how that 38 points really came out and why I'm not super – Careful, you might get labeled a hater. I'm not. Listen, I have the highest expectations for the uh, birds this year. But it is. So this is my thing with Lamar Jackson. When they take away your legs, what happens? When you have to beat them with your arm, what happens? And this is my problem that we're going to need to figure out. When you run up against a defense that can keep Jalen in the box and then still put a corner on A.J. Brown, you're not going to stop A.J., but let's say you slow him down. Do you trust Jalen enough? That's the question. Do you trust Jalen enough? Because Nick Sirianni talked about how great of a game he played, talked about how much he loved, you know, his, uh, his execution, you know, his um, seeing going through his progressions, seeing the route tree, seeing, you know, coverages unfold. And may, I'm, a, I'm an Eagles fan, so obviously those who are listening, I am not an expert. I'm not a coach. Um, I don't train people. I did not play the game for years upon years. However, as somebody watching from the outside in, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, it was easy to see that there were at least four or five occasions where you had guys breaking, you know, out of a break. Rather, they were streaking. And that half-second caused you not to throw or you underthrow. Like the throw that AJ Brown made look easy, but it wasn't easy. You underthrow it by at least what, four yards? And he had the basket catch it. You know, like that's my problem. That's what I don't want to see from Jalen this year. I I can worry about all the other problems. What I don't want to see are the underthrows. I don't want to see the 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 slow timing throws. Outside of that, Sunday was a great barometer of where we're gonna go. Great barometer. But if he shows the same inconsistency as he did last year with throwing in the dirt, you know, to running backs who are only five, ten years, yards in front of him on the, on, the, on the hash marks or, you know, underthrowing guys who are obviously open going down the field. I, that is going to scare me once we get closer to these playoffs. And honestly, I think the NFC is stronger this year. You know, take away the Cowboys. But I never take the Cowboys seriously. I'll say this. Um. I've been an advocate in terms of Jonathan Gannon in terms of, okay, you give this guy better personnel, you might see a much better defense because last year he had to deal with paper-thin personnel in regards to if this one or two people get injured on your defense, he really has little to nothing to work with. Like That just shows on our pass rush last year that we were second to last at getting at the quarterback because we didn't have no pass rushers after Brandon Graham got hurt. Right. But if you're going to be key set on these defensive rotations – then you need to be much more aware in terms of how much Jordan Davis and Fletcher Cox play together because, like we, like you said, that's that. Detroit only averaged two and a half yards a carry when Jordan Davis was on, in the game. Yeah. So on those first or second downs and on those goal line scrimmages and when it's like they only have a yard or two to go, Jordan Davis needs to be in there, period. I don't need him to be on the sidelines getting a breath. Which also, if they're also the reason why Jordan Davis isn't playing that much, just because you realize, like a lot of people did in the draft, he's only a two-down defensive lineman, in which he can't be playing all game. Then maybe you need to figure out a much better conditioning plan, or two, you need to realize the situation that you're putting him in 
needs to be situations in which you're king on the run. No, I, compl- I completely agree. So yeah. what I think uh, the problem is with Jordan Davis is not so much that, you know, he's not conditioned. I think a lot of it has to do with Jonathan Gannon. And we talk about yeah. the defensive coordinators to. and their love for rotating their defensive ends over and over again. Now, listen, I'm all for it. Or just period, just defensive coordinators just being stubborn in what they do. Right. We sat there. We watched it with Jim Schwartz. You know, he loves that wide nine scheme. He loves playing, you know, his defensive backs, you know, 10 to 15 yards off. And we see very little adjustment when it comes to that. Right. I feel like Jonathan Gannon, where it's like he does not have the resume like a Jim Schwartz did even as a coach. He's probably going to fall in love with that defensive rotation scheme and isn't going to adjust when it comes to the time where he needs in real time in terms of personnel. The, and honestly, I feel like that's the difference between the defense and the offense. You at least see Nick Sirianni where it's like, okay, if something's not working on offense, I got to adjust this even though I'm not calling the plays. You're not seeing that on defense. No, I completely agree. I think that Gannon – now, listen, I'm going to give Gannon you know, maybe a little bit um, – I'm not actually as hard on Gannon as everybody else. Last year, I'm not so either. It's just that, like, obviously last year, you know, I think he overcompensated. <laughs> Be honest, I did. I don't think that we necessarily had the greatest talent. Anthony Harris was a wash. I said that when he we signed him, you know, and people were like, "Oh, he's not that bad." He was a wash. Um, outside of Darius Slay, uh, my main man last year, uh, who was the mercenary we signed? James Bradbury. No, 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 no. Oh, Stephen Nelson. Stephen Nelson. He was a wash. Um. Then you take into account, you know, Rodney McLeod. There's a reason why he's not here anymore. I know we loved Rodney McLeod, but he never really truly recovered from his injuries. Uh, We didn't have great linebackers. Our defensive ends were consistently hurt. Jonathan Gannon was playing with a damaged bag of goods last year. This year he has a full lineup. You have Hassan Reddick. You know, you have N'Kobe Dean, Jordan Davis coming in. Um, You have James Bradbury, Kaiser White. Chauncey Gardner J- Johnson. So you have a much shorter leash with me this year. However, I'm not. It's one game, and again, like we talked about this on Sunday, watching the game. Do you really expect a team to just roll over in their first game at home? Yeah. Especially when they, especially when they they have high expectations going into the year because they've had a great training camp, great preseason. They're riding a high. They're going to. They run hard knocks. Oh yeah, you know it's like, you know, um, juicing you up, and the next thing you know you're just going crazy for that first 45 minutes and then the last 15 minutes of the game is when you crash. Yeah. And also I feel like it's out because I'm not going to blame the fans at all, but it's just a certain arrogance where it's like, how can we do this? Detroit's not the good. I'm like, if you actually pay attention to what Detroit was doing. At the end of last year, especially. Especially at the end of last year. Yeah. They finished off 4-2-1. and one Yeah. After starting off 0-11, they had a really good draft getting Aiden Hitcherson and James Williams, who still hasn't taken a full. I told you, I'm scared with Jamison Williams hits the gr- yeah. ground because I think he's a game changer. Yeah. I really do. So, like, you got him. You got Amaran St. Brown. You got DJ Shark. You got TJ Hawkinson. If they – and here's the thing. Like, Jared Goff is not a bad quarterback. Is he a great one? Absolutely not. No. But this is a guy that has won multiple playoff games. He's taken his team to a Super Bowl. He, he knows how to play the game. He's not a bad quarterback at all. And if you surround him with an ideal cast – to maximize, you know, pretty much in terms of person, if you maximize out your personnel for a quarterback like him, he can make the most of it. Like we see in the same, like we see in LA, like the year they went to the Super Bowl, Todd Gurley was the MVP. You had Cooper Cup, you had Robert Woods. You had a plethora of good wide receivers and an, and anchored by an MVP caliber running back. And if Jameson Williams starts hitting the ground, 
with that wide receiver core, plus Deontay Swift and Jamal Williams is probably one of the better ones you punch running backs in, in the league. That's a really good offense. And not to mention, people really underestimate how good Detroit's offensive line is. Pound for pound, we were it's talking a, about that. Pound for pound, it's a top five offensive line. We were me, definitely me and my boy that. Nick agreed to that last week. Frank Rangal is the top center in the league. Jonah Jackson, they were still without Hopley Vitae, but you still got Panay Sewell. They got Vitae? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was a starting right guard, but he didn't play. You got Taylor Decker, who has been a constable in this league for about over a decade. And you still got Panay Sewell, who was the high draft pick a year ago. So that's a really good offensive line. Sewell was a monster yeah. at Oregon. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, uh, no, we and, talked about this on Sunday. Detroit yeah, has one of the better offensive lines in the league. Yeah, and this is a team that plays hard. They play for their coach, which a lot of teams really don't do, especially bad teams. And they were playing well for their coach going on with 11 last year. Like, yeah. we, you know, this is why I don't like the casual sports fan. The casual sports fan looks at a record and they say, oh, we should destroy them. Listen, you know, I get it. You know, I looked at the first nine weeks this year like, Everybody else did. You know, I watched uh, – I listened to a l- enough Mike Greenberg and, you know, um, the Dan Orlovskys and the uh, uh, Ryan Clarks and the Stephen A. Smiths and the Nick Wrights, and they all talk about, oh, yeah, you know, the Eagles could easily go, like, you know, 7-2 in the first nine games because their hardest games are against Dallas, which <laughs> – sorry, Dallas, we're not scared of you anymore. We, not that we were this year anyway. But you losing Dak, I don't care if you get Jimmy G. I'm not scared of you at all. Um, and then the other team is – Oh, no, Jimmy G with his 15 passes. Right, right. And then who's the other team that we played at that, that – um, that they said is it Kansas not Kansas City is it Cincinnati not Cincinnati no, we, we play the Who AFC South this year yeah so it's an AFC South team that I think that we're worried about I think that's the other team that they said that we could lose to that would have made it seven to two but people were like oh I can see it's going five and zero oh. okay let's see we got the Vikings and the Commanders the Jaguars the Cardinals and the Cardinals game so it's the Cardinals and the Cowboys it's uh, the two games they were talking the, about the Cardinals don't still don't have DeAndre Hopkins. The Steelers were, but the Steelers not, are probably going to be without. Not scared people. of the Steelers. Yeah, but the, yeah, now they're going to be without T.J. Watt. Oh, yeah, that hurts. I think they, they're probably wait, they just lost somebody else to a torn ACL. Yeah. Not T.J. Watt, somebody else. Yeah. And then after that, we got the Commanders again. Then the Colts. I'm which I'm not like. I don't know why a lot of people buy into the Colts. I'm not buying into them at all. I buy into the Colts every year except their quarterback. See, that's my problem. It's their quarterback. You know, when you had Andrew Luck. Great. When you had Peyton Manning, great. When you had Jacoby Brissett, I was still more excited. You know, Carson, it was like, I'm a, I am was actually a very big Carson fan. Even when Carson got traded, I was a big Carson fan. Yeah. Because I don't think that Carson necessarily did anything wrong in Philadelphia. I mean, listen, let's be real about something. You tell me I'm the guy. I'm the man. You, you signed me to a big contract. And you, we know quarterbacks are divas. They are very diva-ish mentality. Yeah. You know, they've been coddled their whole career. They are entitled. They're told that you are the most important and biggest reason why teams win games. Your confidence and your arrogance is through the roof. Yeah. And then you draft a kid who – you didn't draft him fourth or fifth round. You didn't, dra- dra- you didn't sign him off to the practice squad. You drafted him in the second round when you knew you had other needs in your – You could have drafted a J.K. Dobbins to improve your running court. Right. You could have drafted a Patrick Queen. Exactly. So you opened up the Pandora's box for your diva quarterback 
to develop a problem. It's the same way now we're hearing the rumors about San Fran and Trey Lance and Jimmy G not really being on the same pace like people like to say they are. You know, Trey Lance was mad that they they kept Jimmy G. Jimmy G was mad when, when they drafted Trey Lance. You know, these are problems when you deal with quarterbacks. So I was not uh, – I didn't dislike Carson for leaving. I don't know why Philadelphia fans dislike Carson. I don't understand that. Carson did not stay healthy. If that's why you don't like him, I get it. But Carson never said anything poorly about Philadelphia. He never once flipped us the bird. He didn't do anything. He tr- tried to give us his all. I mean, the man scored a touchdown on a torn ACL. So – I and wanted the playoff him to succeed. Game, and in that playoff game, he literally dragged a team with, Jake, with Greg Ward as their number one He's wide receiver. He's never had great weapons. I mean, yeah, Alshon, you know, but Alshon was great when Carson was a rookie. Alshon was on a downturn every year after that. Alshon was his best years in Chicago. I mean, and you know, we really want to open this up. Like, here's the thing. The year you drafted Jalen Rager, you could have got Justin Jefferson. You could have drafted. <laughs> uh, there's many more than just You could have drafted Justin Jefferson. You could have. If you really wanted to, you could have traded that pick. You could have got up and you could have got yourself a CD Lamb. Like, let's be real. You had multiple opportunities to use those first those first and second round picks to legitimately prioritize Carson Wentz and to improve this wide receiver core. You didn't. Well, you true. drafted you literally drafted his replacement. And Howie's excuse, as much as I love Howie Roseman. We're a quarterback factory. Yeah, we're a quarterback factory. I never understood where that came from because the the first guy that technically matched out his mouth was Chip. Yeah, you know why would you even say that when we just wanted a court? It's it's not even that. It's like even after you drafted Jalen Hurts, you're like, well, listen, our he, he can't stay healthy, so we just need to be prepared if he has the inability to stay healthy. Well, I'm like, listen, it, even though that's true, there are just some things. It's kind of like the Doc Rivers comments in terms of Ben Simmons after that game seven. <laughs> Listen, even though it's true, there are just some things you just don't say in public into the media. Well, especially if you're the coach. Yeah. Well, well in this case, yeah. Well, in this case, you're the coach, and how in this case, you're management. Right. If you if, if they're your employee. Yeah. NFL's a corporation. Yeah. Philadelphia Eagles are a company. The players are staff. You're an employee. So anytime your upper management talks poorly about you, when you shouldn't. You know that reflects very poorly on you, and by all accounts, you didn't you didn't help Carson when he was here. You knew Carson was going to get eviscerated by Philadelphia media the minute you drafted Jalen. You knew that, and you were okay with that because you were hoping that Carson would just come back, you know, get and do this Adrian Peterson, LeBron James recovery plan and just become the next Iron Man. And it didn't happen. And Carson, you know, sat there at home reading these tweets, watching and listening, while you know. Jalen is getting these reps in practice. All of a sudden, now he's getting one reps. Now he's coming in on these weird wildcat plays. You're not reassuring your quarterback. So I don't. I'm, I was never mad that Carson wanted an ultimatum. If that was ever the case, it's me or him. I because let's be real about something. If you're a number two pick, I'm a number two pick, regardless of I underwhelmed for a year because I've been injured, not because I can't perform. I believe in myself. If it's you, you're going to say the same thing that Carson's going to say. I don't want to be here then. Put me somewhere where I can play. Like, Oh, he should have fought for a spot. He did. <laughs> yeah. You and know, y'all gave it to Jalen. So I'm not and mad at Carson. at that point, you can't go back to Carson. You He's- cannot because you've already turned half of your fan base against him. You know, and now everybody, again, it's the sexy car syndrome. Everybody gets excited about the new shiny toy out the lot. And that's been the philosophy of Philly. Listen, the two most beloved athletes in Philadelphia at the current moment, always at the current moment, is the backup quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles and the backup goalie for the Philadelphia Flyers. That has always been the case throughout. Which, I'm sorry, if you're a Flyers fan, you need to go, go outside, go look up in the sky, 
go just be grateful for the breath that you have in you because obviously you're not grateful for Carter Hart. And I will never, ever forgive any Philadelphia Flyer fan whoever slanders that man out of his mouth because, one, that's Carter's problem. Carter needs to stay healthy. It's not that Carter can't play. Carter is Carter Hart. Like, what backup goalie is going to be better than Carter Hart? We're not doing this. So, Philly, cut it out. Yeah. But, listen, that's been the case since he's We're doing this with Minshew. You know, when Minshew came in last year, Minshew mania. First off, there's a reason why Minshew didn't last in Jacksonville, which is the perennial uh, quicksand for every quarterback career. They can't produce great quarterbacks, but it says something that great quarterbacks just can't produce in Jacksonville. Shout out to Mark Brunel. I will argue that the greatest, the, the best success they've had in the last God knows how many years have been Tim Tebow. Yeah, that's really disrespectful to David. <laughs> that's disrespectful to David Carrara who won a playoff game, by the way. I don't care. I'm just saying it. No, but, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just like the Jalen thing. You know, we I love Jalen, you know, so I don't agree with a lot of uh, analysts that would say that our season is, is – um, it hinges on how far Jalen takes us. I think Howie did an excellent job building the team around Jalen. Jalen just needs to be Russell Wilson from seven years ago. It, or eight years ago, sorry. Is it eight years ago now? Yeah. What? No, 12. W- when did Russell get drafted? 12. When did Seahawks go to Super Bowl? Oh, 2012, uh, 13. So, so nine years ago. Yeah. So he just needs to be Russell from nine years ago. He just needs to be a game manager. Russell Wilson wasn't destroying anybody with his arm in. He was a game manager. If Jalen can do that, I can see his – I'm telling you now, we're, I'm going to Arizona in February. Yeah. Also, here's what people need to realize is that there can be multiple things true at the same time. Are we happy with the fact that the Eagles offense scored 38 points? Yes. Can the, off, can Jaylen, can the offensive line play better in terms of giving Jalen Hurts time to go through his progressions? Yes, they could. Could he have done a better job in terms of picking up the blitzes? Yes, they can. But does Jalen Hurts need to do a better job in terms of using the middle of the field, uh, distributing the ball a lot more evenly, especially to Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith who had zero catches? Yes, that's also true. Because everybody's talking about, oh, well, listen, we're complaining so much after a win. The reality is that there's a lot of money on the line here, especially going out, especially for the rest of the season, going into the off season. Because if you want me to sit here and stop complaining, I'm like, listen, I can't do that. Because as a fan, like, let me ask you this question. Do you feel confident right now in terms of giving Jalen Hurts 40 to $45 million to be your franchise quarterback for the next six years? And if your answer is, and if your answer is no, then no. We're gonna, then we're going to talk about this. If your answer is yes, then I'm okay, then that's cool. So <laughs> just let it be known that, you know, a lot of you probably are going to fight me at some point in time because I'm just going to say this with no uh, hesitation. I would give Jalen $40 million a year. Right now? Yeah, I would. You want to know why? What quarterback coming out in the next couple of years is, is, is worth me giving up Jalen and my draft capital? Name me a quarterback that's about to come on the market that's worth $40 million a year. Lamar? I'm trading one Jalen for another Jalen. For a better Jalen. Who still has the same arm problems. <laughs> like, you're just giving me better legs. Okay, yeah, that's going to – yay, we got Michael Vick 2.0. We see Lamar use the middle of the field. Yes, I listen, I get it. Lamar's a better quarterback than Jalen. Devin Duvernay and Rashard Bateman or – I'm not or, mad at Baltimore for not giving Lamar $45 million a year, bro. Okay, then, then that's fine. Then you're just going to do the Brett Huntley project. 
listen, I'm not mad at how he, if he wants to draft another. I'd rather draft. I'd rather pay Jalen Hurts forty million and give than in a trade for Lamar Jackson, my draft capital, and then give him forty five million. It doesn't make sense to me logically. I don't feel like we're going to make that big of a drop-off keeping Jalen. I don't feel like we're going to make that big of a step up getting Lamar. If Lamar had 5% better arm, I would give the farm. But, again, do I trust Lamar's arm? That's my only issue with Jalen. Do I trust your arm? And with both of those guys, I do not. So I'm sorry. Do I believe Baltimore should have signed the guy? Yes, most definitely. We were, I'm never going to disagree with that. Baltimore should have paid him, paid him whatever he wanted because Baltimore ain't going to be able to get another quarterback of that caliber. But I am not paying my – I don't want my team paying that because I believe my team has a quarterback like that. Now, I, the only guy that's coming out next year that I honestly – relatively even like is the kid in Ohio State and you know I'm not an Ohio State fan so for me to tell you that Welcome to the dark side. I can't stand the Buckeye Nation but <laughs> CJ Stroud is much much more exciting a prospect to me than a Justin Fields than a Terrell Pryor and the reason why I'm mentioning his name because obviously you know they come from Ohio State right not because they're the, be- the la- best quarterbacks in the last guy knows so many years. But I'm not putting C.J. Stroud on a Joe- Joey Burrow level. And that's, like, that's my thing. Like, right now, if I want a better quarterback, I want Burrow level. I want Herbert level. So maybe Stroud proves it. Maybe there's another quarterback that proves it by the end of the college football season. And I'm like, you know what, Chris? Trade Jalen for first or second because that's what you're going to get for him. You know, trade you know, trade those picks and get up and then go get your CJ Stroud or whoever. But as of right now, we have I'm two first go- round picks. Think about it. All the moves we did, we've got AJ Brown, even though he's Jalen Hurts' buddy. We signed AJ Brown long term. We got Devontae Smith on a rookie deal. We got Dallas Goddard to a contract extension. We got Quez Watkins still a rookie extension. We fortified our offensive line and we built that for the future outside of Wayne Johnson, which I feel like if how he wants to, he can just go ahead. Draft his draft Lane Johnson replacement, and he'll be ready in within like a year or two. Kind of similar to what we've seen in Lander Dickinson and Cam Jurgens. Right. And but listen, Kelsey I'm doing the I'm doing the Brian Winters. <laughs> we've done all this. We've got all the weapons. We spent all the money on weapons. Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> we got two first round picks. But Why would we make this trade to, with the Saints to get another first round pick for next year? Because it's a better quarterback class. Think about it. But if there's any solace to Eagles fans, you know, anybody who felt any any less confident after Sunday, you should probably go rewatch the game and become more confident. And this is the why you should be more confident after the game. Even if I am a, a worried that the Vikings may beat us on Monday, I am much more confident because one thing that is very known about the Eagles football team over the last god knows so many years is we are a much better second half football team than we are first half football team we are we always get better as the season progresses nick sirianni in his second year will prove to me just like he did in his first year that first couple games first game was like oh my gosh Devontae was great then you know we lolled out then we came back made the playoffs i think this year we're going to kind of coast to like a six and three start start and then we're going to really hit a stride. So 
And then on top of that, think about it this way. We put up 38 points. Devontae had zero catches. Dallas Goddard had less than 60 yards. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell had less than 60 yards. Miles Sanders had a great game, but Miles Sanders stayed healthy. Yeah, but um, Miles, and Miles Sanders only had, what, 13, 14 carries? Only 14 carries, 91 yards. Jalen Hurts led the league. I mean, not led the league. Like led the team in carries. 12 of Jalen Hurts' is what, 20 or 18 completions were to A.J. Brown. So take solace in the fact that they put up 38 yards on two players. Uh, 31 yards because James Bradbury would pick six. So 31 yards on two players. 31 once, points. Once Devontae and Dallas starts getting – Jalen really starts getting them utilized and now the offense is really clicking, yeah. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I'm calling it. Chris, we are going to Arizona in February. Guys, get ready if you want to come with us. I am so overhyped right now. I'm doing it. Super Bowl season loading. <laughs> Oh, we'll see you in how Arizona. about those cowgirls? We'll see you in Buffalo. Uh, we'll see you in Arizona, Buffalo. <laughs> yes, we will. Man, I cannot wait to have a Philly Buffalo. I need that before I die in life, and I pray that's that tailgate will be everything. It'll just be that will be a movie. That needs to be a movie. Like, oh no, that just needs to be a thirty for thirty. Kevin Costner needs to make a movie, but like he did made Draft Day. <laughs> Call it Tailgate. Like that would be amazing. Ooh. That would be amazing. No you one's cast, ever made a movie. Yo, no one's ever made a movie about a tailgate before. That would, that would actually. Be Let's dope. just put it out there right now, ninety-eight point five. You know, if I if this gets picked up, I was the first person y'all heard this from. Corey Moore said that I was, we should do a tailgate movie about the eventual Eagles Bill Super Bowl. If not, I just watch a whole like what thirty-two doc, thirty-two part series documentary of every tailgate in at every home game, right? For like every team, like I like I. Because you really think about who has the best tailgates in the NFL, like Buffalo's number one. Buffalo's number one. You know, Philly's got to be top five, top, like somewhere yeah. in here. You know, I don't know where we will land because yeah. I haven't been to obviously everybody's tailgate. I will hope to do that one day, start, you know, make that like a trip. You're going to Dallas, right? Oh, 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 I'm going to Dallas with my Eagles jersey on. Yes, and I'm dying my hair green. Dallas is going to hate me at Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to be the Grinch for real. And once again, you're listening to 98.5 WJY and the running back sports show, sports for the culture. If you want to call to join the discussion, that number is 215-763-9596. Man, that tailgate. <laughs> oh, that tailgate is about to be absolutely horrible. I, I'm pretty sure y'all going to see me on the news or something. There's no way in the world I'm going to get out of Dallas unscathed. I barely get out of Eagles tailgates unscathed. I am I'm a Philadelphia fan. I'm passionate. You know, I rah-rah and I hoopla with the best of them about my teams. I don't care where I'm at. When I lived in Atlanta for 10 years, Chris, I literally every Saturday rooted Penn State so hard that SEC fans was trying to chase me out. When Sunday came around and the Eagles played Atlanta or they played New Orleans or whatever the case may be, I was the most unbearable fan possible. What do you think I'm going to do for the most hated, hated team in Philadelphia history? I've never been to a Dallas football game. I've never seen Dallas in a, in a football game. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> oh, man. 98.5 WJYN, running back sports. What's up, boy? What up? Hey, hey Dad, how's it going? What's going all right? How's it going with you, with you crew? What's going on? Oh, nothing, man. Uh, we're just we're just talking about the uh, eventual tailgate. Uh, my Ooh. co-host is going to be at uh, uh, Christmas Eve. <laughs> Nothing about them cowgirls. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, you mean, is a one-armed dad going to be there? 
<laughs> one arm deck, uh, eight fingers, one digit deck. Yeah, it's gonna yeah, be. Um, Take my strong don't, hand back. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't don't forget, don't forget Zeke the Ewok, Skeletor, Ooh. aka Jerry Jones. Okay, let's see. Uh, CB, you know, uh, like Care Bear Lamb. Oh, hot hands CD, hot hands CD. <laughs> yeah, and like I said last week, uh, the rest of their wide receivers and everything, they they you know you find them as day laborers in the Home Depot parking lot. You know, and I love C.D. Lamb. I, I, I got to tell y'all guys, I love C.D. Lamb. I wanted him for Philly. I love – C.D.'s just an expo- explosive player. But I don't care. There's nothing C.D.'s going to do now. Like, that was your only bridge. Like, Cooper Rush, Cooper who? Uh, Jimmy G, game manager extraordinaire. Dallas does not scare me. Their running game does not scare me. Well, Dallas, right now, Dallas looked bad when Dak was in there. Okay, and now he's gone – what are they going to do? Seriously. <laughs> what, are, what are they going to do? Trade for Jimmy G? <laughs> Trade for Gardner Minshew? <laughs> I'll give him Gardner. I will gladly give you Gardner. You got to give us a good pick for Gardner. I, listen, Howie is a genius. Man, you got a better haul for Rager than Dallas got for Amari. Do you think I can get a third rounder for Gardner Minshew from Dallas? I believe Howie can pull that out. Second rounder, no less. Jerry Jones, <laughs> Jerry Jones and Steve, the Jones boys are idiots. Okay. Um, and as far as the game goes, look, the offense looks explosive. Okay. But poor Jalen's back there running for his life because the, I don't know what's going on with the offensive line. And we're not even going to talk about the D line and how they got absolutely no pressure on that washed up bum, Jared Goff. He's been stealing money for like the past three or four years. You say okay. Um, I don't know what's going through Johnson Gannon's head. Okay, part of it's on him, part of it's on the players because they didn't perform the way they should have. You know, with the exception of a couple. But this whole thing where oh we're not tackling on preseason because we don't want the players get hurt. I'm so sick of that. Somebody give me a bucket. Okay, the only way the guys gonna know how to tackle is if they practice. Okay, I'm talking about practice. All right. Practice? That, yeah, practice. I'm talking about practice. Okay, this whole hooky feely. Oh, uh, I want. I don't want the players to get hurt. Like you know, care about. I mean, come on now, really. You got to get them warmed up for the regular season. Or stuff like this is going to happen again. Because if they try that that, that, vanilla, that vanilla cream puff marshmallow charm and stuff they did like um, on Sunday against Minnesota, Kirk Cousins is going to have a field day, and I can't stand Kirk Cousins. Well, honestly, I think Kirk Cousins is going to have a field day regardless. I think I really think it's going to be a 44-35-34 game. Like I think that's how the game score is going to pan out. I I honestly think that the only way I think the way we win is either Kaiser gets an interception, Charcy Gardner gets an interception, or Darius Slay gets an interception. That's what keep that's what pulls us away that keeps them from coming back. I hey, think Kirk hey, hey man, you just you just a Nate Bradbury there, man. Come on, put some respect on his name. Uh, see, my <laughs> thing is it's not so much I don't have respect for Bradbury. I just Bradbury already got his pick six. Never had it a his in a, a day in his career, but he got a pick six on the first Reese's game. Black, or as Merrill Reese says Blackberry, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> I just think Blackberry, Boysenberry, you know. <laughs> I, I think Darius Slay I think Darius Slay and Charlie Gardner Jr. Johnson Jr. I think Charles Gardner Johnson gets an opportunity of Kirk Cousins being a little overzealous with a throw to Justin Jefferson in about the third quarter 
And I think that's where Darius Slade Gardner Johnson interception happens. And I think that's where we pull away from like a 28 21 to a 35 21. And then there we just start, we keep trading scores. Um, but I think Kirk Cousin, I, I honestly think Kirk Cousin puts up 300 yards regardless. I think Dalvin gets 80 to 100 regardless. I don't well, believe in Jonathan Gannon for at least another four weeks. Okay, well, that's what I'm saying. Kirk Cousins is going to, ha- going to get 300 regardless. But if he gets 400 and 500, then we got a problem. Oh, yeah, okay? most definitely. And, we, and, you know, and we're going to get the receiver that we should have tra- drafted instead of Jalen Rager. Okay, because Justin Jefferson is the truth. Okay. Um, and every time I see him and I see his stats and everything, I'm saying we could have had that. But how he overthunk himself. True. It's okay. We have AJ Brown, so it balances itself can, out. Can, can we? Can, 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 can we want to talk about respect? You just blatantly disrespected the greatest college wide receiver in history. Who was that? The man who literally holds every record in college football history, Devontae Smith. You mean the guy with zero catches? The, you mean the man who didn't throw to my guy? Uh, AJ Brown had thirteen targets, did he not? Devontae had how many targets? Two. One was called back. Dallas Goddard had four targets. Like, I get it. AJ is just always going to be open. But just because Devontae didn't get a catch, don't make Devontae anything less than Devontae. Because if we go back and look at his rookie highlights, if Devontae got the same volume of targets as a Jamar Chase or a Justin Jefferson, his stats would have been exactly with them. We just have Jalen Hurts under quarterback. That's the reason why I told you again, I don't want Lamar Jackson. Well. Point, point taken, point taken. But I'll say this. If Devontae and Dallas will start getting the ball, uh, trust me, uh, it, it, it's going to be some carpet. Oh, yeah. It's going to be some hurt feelings. And somebody's going to say, uh, either throw me the ball or get me out of here. Well, I can tell you right now, if Dallas and Devontae don't get the ball, like, AJ's going, I'm going to tell you now, AJ's going to have a 100-catch season. If he stays healthy at this rate, he's going to have a 100-catch season. 17 games in a season. He only needs to average, what, six catches for the rest of the season, he'll get a 100-cast season. Uh, Devontae and Dallas, they're probably going to eat, but if the off chance they do not eat, the guy who is gone is not Devontae or Dallas. It is Jalen. One, you just signed Dallas, and Dallas is one of the best tight ends in the league. The league just ain't noticed yet because we have Jalen throwing it to him. Devontae is one of the best young wide receivers in the league. The league knows that, but we have Jalen throwing it to him. If if you start seeing all your weapons are not being utilized, you're not getting rid of your weapons. That man's on a rookie contract. I can trade you for another high pick and draft another quarterback and tell that quarterback, boy, you better learn to spread this ball like Drew Brees. Otherwise, you're going to be the next one up out of here. So Jalen better catch win. But I don't think that that's really going to be a problem with Jalen because he is really close friends with Devontae. He may not be best buddies with eight like he is with AJ, but he's really close with Devontae. And Dallas is just a monster. You can't not feed him. Oh, yeah, without, uh, without question. Um, I got to say, Russell Wilson, they gave Russell Wilson the business last night. You thought it was um, the link, the way they gave him the business. And I really don't know what his coach is thinking. I mean, all those timeouts, he had all the timeouts left, and he didn't put it in Russell Wilson's hands. What was he thinking? They Fangio, right? That's Fangio? Um, no, Nathaniel Pickett. Oh, okay, okay. Nathaniel okay. Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett. 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 That's the coach. Okay, so yeah, um, yeah. So I have a kind of t- <laughs> let's ride. <laughs> I got a t- uh, <laughs> I had a couple problems with. So one, shame on you, Seattle. Shame on you, eighteen times over. 
because it, we talk really bad about Philadelphia fandom. And you talk, you actually illustrated on this, but you didn't really do it too heavily. And Philadelphia fans, we don't, we're not hateful fans. We're not, we don't wake up saying, oh, we're going to burn your car down, you know, throw toilet paper on your trees and, you know, bomb your house steps. No, that's not what we do in Philly. You give us your all, you go, you give us the passion that you have and you give us how many years you have for us. We're going to show you love. Like, J.J. Reddick is a very big example of that. That man ain't never did anything in Philadelphia. He played two years with us. And J.J. Reddick can walk into Philadelphia, and they will buy that man food. Same with Chris Long. Right. You know, these guys, like, like I I have a problem with fans not respecting the effort that they're, that a franchise player has given them. Russell Wilson didn't want to leave Seattle because he didn't like Seattle. He didn't want to be in Seattle because Seattle wasn't building a team no more. Seattle wanted to go backwards. Seattle, Russell wants to go forwards. Um, and then you get upset because Russell don't want to be there. Sorry, Seattle. That's what happens. You lose your players when your team decides they want to be cheap. What I don't like about Russell is Russell went to De- Denver thinking that he was still that guy from Seattle four years ago. Russell, you ain't that guy no more. And then you walked into Seattle and then, like you, all this hype is on you and your what your wide receivers. Y'all, y'all put up how many points in Seattle? Sixteen. And then you let you literally played played a Seattle Barely. game in a Denver uniform. And then you let Gino. Oh, they may have wrote me off, but I didn't write back. Smith. They let Gino go, go, they let Gino go out there like Randall Cunningham. Right. You let Gino beat you on the strength. A Russell. nine-year backup. On the strength, you shouldn't have let that happen. And yes, shame on you, Denver coaches, because you chose to kick a 64-yard field goal instead of putting it into the hands of a $250 million quarterback. Hey, listen, I, I think I understand the reason why. why you see, listen, coach off? oh, no, because we saw all game that they struggled to punch the ball in at the one-yard line. The Daniel, Daniel Hacker at that point was like, you know what, listen, instead of going to the red zone, bringing this ball a lot closer – we just gonna kick this field goal and just hope for the best. Yeah, but sixty four yards. Made, that made that made ab- that made absolutely no sense. Cause say what you want about Russell Wilson, he's still a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Okay, the Seattle fans they should have caught a lot more hell than the Philly fans do. Okay, <laughs> because whatever they may think about Russell Wilson, he still got them their own Super Bowl. Okay, and I said it for the longest time. Seattle fans are fair with the fans because they're talking about the twelfth man's loudest stadium. Like I said back in the day, you couldn't find a Seattle. You can't find a Seattle Seahawks fan in the middle of town square at noon firing a gun in broad daylight. All okay? Seattle fans were outside of Seattle. Precisely. Okay, <laughs> they're fair with the fans. They can they can call whatever they want to, okay? They gave Russell Wilson the business and everything. That man still brought in the only Super Bowl. He would have had two Super Bowls if, you know, Pete Carroll had put the ball in Marshawn Lynch's hands. That's a whole different story, okay? Last night, his his coach let him down, okay, because he's made – see what you want about Russ. He's made for moments like that, marching his team down the field. Mm-hmm. A 64 yard field goal when you had like over a minute left and you had three timeouts left. Come on now. Yeah. That's, and then it's fourth that's, and that's five. Idiot. It wasn't fourth and 15, Chris. It wasn't like, fourth and 10. It was fourth and five. You, like, don't trust, you, you don't trust Russell Wilson, one of the greatest quarterbacks of this generation. Well, no, I agree. A quick slant to Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. You're if you business. lose the game, you lose the game. But I'd rather lose the game in the hands of my franchise. It's like being the a guy you just guy. paid $250 million for. A A I heard the basketball. Go win me the game. A sixty-four yard field goal. Only two people have made sixty-four yard plus field goals in the history of the NFL. And your name ain't Justin Tucker. 
Thank you. <laughs> or you Tony know, Franklin. <laughs> right. No, but who's that? Who's that? Uh, who's that Bucks kicker that made a sixty-three uh, three-yard? Parky field? did. Parky made a sixty-one. No, that was Jake Elliott. No, Parky made a sixty-one. Oh, dang, he did. No, Jay I think did. that rookie season, that one, remember the season where he broke the NFL record for the field, um, the the kicker percentage. I think uh, that's the one he hit the sixty-one. I thought in. it was fifty-seven, but no, there was a. It was a. I think it was a Gramatica brother that kicked the sixty-three yard field goal. Throwback on name. On uh, on us in in Tampa one year because yeah, I remember one of, that. What, yeah. One yeah. of the Gramatica L's. Yeah. Oh, we've definitely taken a couple of L's off some long field goals. Yeah. <laughs> like some <laughs> some definite heartbreakers. Because I remember that game. Like, McNabb threw the game when a touchdown pass to Brian Westbrook, and Westbrook broke like five tackles. Then yeah. the Bucks just ran down the field. Oh, 63-yarder. Game game over. I'm like, okay. This all, really... I got, all I got to say is this. This NFL season is going to be interesting because the uh, – <laughs> I mean, the way the game is like shook out this weekend, okay, the commanders won – the the Giants won. Yeah, I'm still I'm still having trouble digesting that. And the Cowboys are over one. Well, you know. Yeah, yeah. Say it again. Say it again for one more time so the, the audience can the hear da- that. Dallas, the Dallas. I'm sorry. The Dallas Cowgirls are over one. Mm. The only the only team in the entire NFL that did not score a touchdown this week. And they say that higher existence is not a thing. Well, listen, whoever's up there must have heard our prayers because that was the most perfect way to end. Uh, the first week, outside of the the Dak injury, I don't believe in any and, injury. And speaking, and speaking of which, Chris, you, we, I'm gonna give a shout to your Uncle Scotty. You know, because uh, he was born and raised a Texas lifelong Cowboys fan. <laughs> his, birth, his birthday was last week and everything. So I say, Hey, Uncle Scotty, how about them boys? <laughs> Happy birthday, yeah, Uncle true, Scotty. Yeah, he's a true blue Cowboys fan. I can't get mad. He was born and raised in Texas and everything. And trust me, his hatred goes all the way back to from the 50s into the 60s. Trust me. Well, I was, he, and he I, hates the Eagles. Oh, I can respect Cowboys fans like that. Like, I don't – I respect any Cowboys fan who acts are from Dallas. I don't respect any Cowboys fan who don't exist in Dallas because yeah, you're just no fair weather. But no further no south in Atlanta. Someone said, like, yeah, I'm a Cowboys fan. True or true, yeah. Right. I'm a, cow, a fan's Cowboy. Uh, Troy Eggman. Go far back than that. Uh, 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 come on. You know, you got two tall Jones. You got Jim Jeffcoat. Let's see who else you got. Oh, yeah. Ride the Starbuck. Who's Ride the Starbuck? Fraud. Roger the Dodger. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't I've never trusted fans who said their favorite team was a team outside of their hometown city. Unless you could give me a valid reason like, oh, my dad grew up a super huge Jerry Rice and Joe Montana fan, so I'm a 49er fan, even though I'm from Philly. Okay, I can understand that. You're a son, you look at your dad, you want to be like your dad when you grow up, and therefore you take his fandom. I can respect that. But as a Philadelphia but continue. Right. <laughs> but if you're a Philadelphia resident. For you to say that you're a Dallas Cowboy fan or an L.A. Lakers fan is the most asinine and unacceptable determination I can ever Or a accept. Yankees fan. Yes, or a Yankees fan. I compl- play, or a Patriots the, fan. I completely agree. The, the, big, the, biggest, the, biggest, the biggest roaches, as far as fans go, are Philadelphia Cowboys fans, Philadelphia Lakers fans, and Philadelphia Yankees fans. They're all roaches. They're vermin. The Yankees fans are horrible. They need to be sprayed with raid and exterminated. They're varmints. That's why I call them. <laughs> they, they get absolutely no love, no respect from me. I don't even doubt it. Oh, since 1991, 92. Like, really? Yeah. Since the Heidegger dynasty. You know, that's why, you know, it's like people talk about, you know, oh, well, I'm a, I'm a Bulls fan. You're not a Bulls fan. You're a Jordan fan. You couldn't have been a Bulls fan. The Bulls have done nothing in the history of the Bulls era outside of Michael Jordan. You know, I mean, you yeah. can't tell. It's, 
like if you could tell me you're a Lakers fan, I could kind of understand that, but you're still kind of, you know, you're kind of still a fake to me because you're just right. right. You're still a fake to me. I mean, you could name the Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul Jabbar's, the you Kobe's. know the Coopers, and all those great ones before that. But again, you're you're not in L.A. You're you're not from L.A. You're on you're three thousand miles away, and you've never been to L.A. And Which, you're sitting here talking about, oh, I'm a diehard L.A. fan. No, you're a Kobe fan. Like, I'm sorry. I, I'm just one of those people that believe the city you're born in, for better or worse, rep your city. Like, how, how hard? Like, listen, give Cleveland respect. Nobody wants to be a Browns fan. Nobody wants to be an Indians fan. Nobody's ever said, I want to be a Cavaliers fan. It's I apologize to the super sensitive industry right now that you know that was just so egregious that we say guardians like that <laughs> oh my lord but politically correct nobody wanted the commanders oh first off they need to change that name immediately <laughs> the command, commanders command what, what my brother right like they ain't doing hey, look, a good job hey, commanding look, the office that... the name Cobra commander approves of the name yeah. <laughs> like man you you know what I, I, I'll tell you that. The Commanders is a better name than the, than the Guardians, so I'll give you that. At least the Commanders kind of make sense. The Guardians, what was that, an adage to a Negro, Negro League team? Was, was that why they named it the Guardians, the Cleveland Guardians? I have no idea. I think it no, was when I a, think about the When I think about Guardians, I think about the Guardians, like Rise of the Guardians, the movie, you know, with Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and all them, you know? That's what you think of? Yeah, the Guardians are like you know, some kind of superhero team. <laughs> oh, I totally know what Rise of the Guardians is. My kids watch that movie, but out of exactly. all the movies with the Guardians in the name, you thought of Rise of the Guardians. Now I think I want to go home and watch that. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, that kind of stuff. I think about that. I think about superhero I think Guardians, like, they couldn't think of anything better than that Guardians. I'm just to come out there with, like, you know, capes and everything, like, you know, flying around, flying around the infield or something, you know. Come right. But nobody chooses to be a Cleveland fan. Nobody chooses to be a Cincinnati fan. You're born into it. So I respect and give so much respect to people who live and die on their fandom. When you choose another team because your team is just not good, okay, like you're not a real fan. You're, <laughs> you just want – Fair weather. Right. You just like the chips and the success. You can be happy for whoever won the chip, but that ain't your team. Like I was happy for Giannis to win the chip. I ain't no Milwaukee Bucks fan. I ain't about to celebrate them. I ain't going to be happy until my Philadelphia 76ers and Joel Embiid is hoisting up that trophy. Same way about the Eagles, the Flyers, the Phillies, even the Philadelphia Union, and my brother Andre Blake. Number one seed. Boom, boom, baby. You know we going to a game, too. I'm sorry, a match. I apologize, soccer fans. I'm sorry, but if, if the Eagles or the, the Eagles or the Sixers or the Phillies and everything, I just watched, like, you know, the World Series, the Finals, and the Super Bowl and everything. I'm like – Eh, I could care less. If it's a team I hate, so the Patriots and everything, I wish for everything. Like, yeah, just, 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 just lose. Just lose. <laughs> I hate the Patriots. Okay, hate the Lakers. Lord knows, you know, I hate the Cowboys. Okay, the Giants are commanded. They've been bad for so long and everything. They have my pity. I, yeah, I was about to say I can't even hate the Giants because they've been so bad. And Lord knows, I hate the Yankees. The burning intensity of a thousand, of a thousand supernovas. Okay. That's how much my hatred. Why well, you hit the Cowboys? Because they're there. To me, that star is a target. I see. I see. I see you wearing the star. You're wearing the target. And everything. You get what you get. I hate the Cowboys because y'all or you ordained yourself America's favorite team. I can't stand the Cowboys because their arrogance is. It was so strong that they still believe in their funk after 25 years of obscurity. You have not been successful 
in 25 years. Think about it. Oh, you still that. got five rings. My, my, my Facebook group, BCSE, that was it. Oh, you still got our five rings. Y'all got that one <laughs> ring. Like, yeah, but, uh, we, but you know, y'all got to blow the dust off your trophies and whatnot and your rings and everything and all, you know. You know, I'm pretty sure half, I'm sure half the guys in their, their Super Bowl teams are pawning their rings by now. They blew through their money. But that's a different story. Hey, shout out to OJ. That man that sold everything he had. And then try to take steal it back. Uh, not to mention the fact it, when Michael Irvin, okay, one of the biggest cowboys out there, is coming down the team and everything. You know it's time to you know it's time to wrap it up. Come on, Jerry Jones, man. You you you're not a good GM, okay. You're good as a, you're fine as an owner, but the Cowboys have not been relevant since Jerry since Jimmy Johnson left. Okay, that idiot Barry Switzer, he won the Super Bowl with Jerry Jones with Jimmy Johnson's team, okay, and they have not been relevant since. Okay, I mean, shoot, you and I could have coached that team with the Super Bowl with that talent they had on there. Yeah, no, you're definitely okay. right about that. I mean, they, they put it on cruise control, and you know, Jim, you know, Jerry Jones was like, yeah, okay, Jimmy's gone. I get all the credit. Nah, that's, that's still Jimmy's team. Dang it. Well, you want to know the one fact that Cowboys fans don't want to actually realize is that their team is no more successful and no more much of a failure than the Buffalo Bills or Cleveland Browns, because oh. in the last 25 years, you've done absolutely nothing. We can talk about the five rings that you got, but your grandfather was alive for those. Your father was alive for those. I was a child Ooh. for those. Ooh. But as far as your fandom, your fandom amounts to absolutely zero because the, your quarterback is Tony Romo. Your quarterback is not Troy Aikman. Your wide receiver is Des Bryant. Your wide receiver is not Michael Irvin. You know, you don't, you don't know what it's like to watch a successful Cowboys team. You watch highlights, you know, so – it, I always find it – that's why I don't even argue with Cowboys fans anymore. It's like I don't – I hate your team just on principle. I don't hate your team because they're good. I hate all the other teams because they're good and people follow them. Lakers, Chicago, you know um, – well, not even Chicago, but Lakers, Yankees. You know, like I can't stand – Patriots. I can't stand them because y'all choose to follow them because they win chips every year. Y'all choose to follow the Cowboys off of y'all parents loving the Cowboys' greatness. Y'all wasn't even alive for the Cowboys' greatness because God knows I was 8, 9, and 7 watching it, and I didn't really understand football at that time. All I knew was, Dad, I want a Kelly Green jersey. Thank you. Hello. You know, okay, so all the Cowboys fans that are under, what, 45? Because I want to say that's about the fair age you could say that you're not really a Cowboys fan. 40. Give, or take, give or take 40. Yeah, 40. So under 40, you're not – I'm sorry, you're, you're, you're no different than a Cleveland Browns fan. Just going to be honest. So stop coming at every other team. Your team is just as bad, and you have just as bad as an owner. As The only difference between Jerry Jones and Donald Sterling is one was an outward racist. <laughs> and I tell people this all the time. Jerry Jones, I hope he lives a very long time because he'll never go that – the Cowboys not going to get any better until he goes to that big ranch in the sky. So I hope he lives a very, 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 very long time. That is okay. a very sad truth. When Jerry Jones unfortunately walks away from the Cowboys, the Cowboys will probably be our biggest problem because all you need is somebody with a relative smart brain – to take over, and the Cowboys are going to be immediately back into title favorites. It's not that difficult. They actually have talent. No, but it's going to be their son, and they're just going to follow, you know, their father. I think oh, Steven's yeah. better keep than Jerry. Jones, keep, please, keep the Jones bloodline in the GNC. I love it. You don't I think Steven's it. better than Jerry? Steven's a bigger idiot than his daddy, so. <laughs> the genes run, run strong. The genes run strong. They Thank didn't God. do all wrong. They do got Dak and Micah. They didn't do all wrong. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know me. I'm a Micah man. I'm always going to be a Micah oh, fan. Oh, Micah Parsons. Oh, Micah Parsons. That boy's a beast. I yeah. wish the Eagles had drafted him. And truth be told, I've said this before, 
really the whole thing when the Eagles were drafting, made all the moves for Carson. I said to myself, you know what? I like Dak when he's coming out of Mississippi State. I said the Eagles are smart. They'll draft Zeke with the first pick, and they'll get drafted back in the later rounds. They've got Carson. You know, what happened happened. We got a Super Bowl out of it. But we can't help but wonder, okay? I don't have anything against Dak personally. I hope he gets, you know, I hope he has a speed, like, hope healthy recovery, which is not going to happen because Jerry Jones up the time frame. He's not putting him on the injured reserve like an idiot. But I don't have anything against him personally. I hope he has a speedy recovery. But the bottom line is, as long as you're that star, you're my enemy. Right, right, right. Like, I love Michael Irvin now. I mean, I couldn't stand him when he played for the Cowboys. Have you heard? Have you listened to Michael Irvin recently? That yeah, man is a Cowboy lifer, but yet he talks about the Eagles like they are his team. That man just sweating like Patrick Gill on a first um, take every day. Like, <laughs> I remember the, day, the first day he started sweating bullets. He was like, Stephen A., I got to be honest. And Stephen looked at him. He said, what's up? He said, what's up, dog? He said, listen, you know I'm a Cowboys man. He said, you know I'm a Cowboy for life. But it's something about them birds. The minute you say that, you Cowboys Nation, you should know you're in problem when your greatest wide receiver, the guy who stumps for you, even when you were, I remember the the, the years where you were six and ten, four and twelve, five and eleven, and he still thought y'all were going to Super Bowl. When he comes out of his mouth and he tells the world that he does not think that his own team, honestly, it's it's him and Skip Bayless. If they aren't, if they're skeptical, about don't forget about Marcus Spears. He's another one this year. No. I thought Marcus. I thought Marcus Spears still hates us. No, no, bad, no. That was Marcelo. That's what I'm saying. He turned. He hated us, and now he's like oh. big on us. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. All the Cowboys. Hey, we can't, we can't, we can't forget our brother Stephen A. Smith wearing the Cowboys hat, just laughing his butt off. Well, I'm gonna tell you now. I can't stand that man. <laughs> I can't stand that man. I used to like Stephen A. I really did. I used to adore Stephen A. I grew up in a time where you know, Chris, you like to you know point out my age. So let me use my age finally here. We talk about that I grew up in a time where Allen Iverson became everything in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. The, Stephen A. became everything because of Allen Iverson. I remember printing out every article. My wall looked like somebody who was neurotic, who had, like, OCD, because my wall was covered in newspaper articles of just Allen Iverson. Who wrote every article? Stephen A. Smith. Smith. Allen Iverson gave Stephen A. Smith everything Stephen A. Smith has, but Stephen A. Smith will never admit that. He'll just say, oh, well, you know, I covered Allen Iverson, and I was a great, you know, writer in Philadelphia, and that's how I got big. 17 years. But the reason why you got big is because you literally covered arguably the pound-for-pound greatest basketball player of the generation. Um, But after that, Stephen A., you know, Outside of his Cowboys talk, which I only love it because I love anybody who talks crap on the Cowboys. But outside of that, I can't stand that man. He, you well, know, he lost me. He lost me when he said I had to talk with Ben Simmons. Me and the brother cool now. I'm like, wait a minute. You ripped that. Ca- you ripped that 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 no heart having kangaroo for a longer time because you had to talk with everything. Everything's cool now. Seriously. <sighs> Honestly, I like Stephen A. You lo- you lo- you lost it, man. Well, I enjoy your Cowboy talk. And other than that, man, forget about it. I, I turn him off. I can't. I can't. I can't deal with it. He flip flop. To okay, me, the way, I, he t- the way he tore Kevin Durant apart, just five so. He tore Kyrie apart, just five so. Yeah. Okay, but then all of a sudden he's been some of his best friend there. I'm like, what? Well, what? To me, I have a rule of thumb when it comes to media. If you're going on a show and if you're going on a certain topic. At least know what you're talking about. Right. Refresh, refresh, right. refresh yourself on the topic. Stephen A. literally a week ago was talking about, oh, this might be a big season for Jalen Rager, not knowing the fact that Jalen Rager got I heard traded that. We to the Minnesota the, Vikings. Like last week, literally last week yes. after we'd already traded him. I heard about I, I did hear, uh, yes. see that one. 
And I'm sitting here like, but the, you, if you notice, and this has actually been a big thing recently with a, way more than just Stephen A. Smith. There's been a lot of analysts yes, doing that. To me, like you know, is you can tell they don't watch sports and they don't keep up with them. Yeah, they just do this for the hot takes and ca- and just to make sure that casual people watch their show. That's to me. I'm just like, and that's to me like the follow me is like, listen, if I'm going in there, if there's a certain topic I'm not comfortable with, I won't address it. And if so, I'll do. And if not, if you want me to talk about it, I'll do thoroughly my research so I don't go. So I don't go on any show or any platform lacking. But where you differ is you're hungry. Yeah. A lot of those analysts, that's a problem, and that's the one thing I noticed about the Nick Wrights, the Stephen A. Smiths, because I can literally pull up every every interview within the last three months that they've done this. Uh, exactly what you're talking about, where they've talked about a team and talked about a player as if that player was still on that team, and that player has been gone from that team for a while. Um and once you get to a certain ex- level, like Stephen A. Smith, that man makes, what, $10 million a year from ESPN. Were you really that he going home to keep watching sports the way he did when he was coming up? Shoot, I would. <laughs> you would because you love it. That's yeah. your passion. Yeah, to me, what like, for every Stephen A. and, like, Stephen you know, A. never loved it. He, what he loved was journalism. Sports journalism is what he loved. He loved covering the topics. Well, you make $10 million a year, you're going to start down there, too. And speaking of people stealing money, who else just want to just, like, to completely just, like, vomit? When Jason Peters said it was love at first sight. Are you talking about with him going to Dallas? Yeah. So it was love at first sight. Did you see him on the sidelines wearing his Cowboys gear? Like, yeah, he looks he looks real slick in his Cowboys gear on the sideline. But how many games he's gonna play? So I told, um, I actually told Jamal this uh, when we were watching the game on Sunday because um, I don't think you were there. You might have been, but I don't think it was in the time where we were walk- leaving the game. But I told Jamal, I said, you want to know why I'm not mad at Jason Peters, why nothing's going to make me change my love for Jason Peters in an Eagles uniform? Because him in a Dallas uniform is like Jordan in a Wizards uniform. Like, you can sell me the political gambit. You could tell me, oh, yeah, you know. And I understand. Jason Peters, and the reason why I'm going to let it go, that he loves being a cowboy, he's actually from Texas. He's actually from the Dallas area. Okay, I get it. Because if Kobe, who I couldn't stand because he never once talked about an affinity for the Sixers, your dad played for them. You never once talked fondly about Philadelphia. You talked fondly about where you were from, brother. You weren't from Philly. You were from Lower Marion. You know, so that's the reason why I couldn't stand. Yeah, he was a diehard, but everybody in the southeastern Pennsylvania is an Eagles fan. You're not a Pittsburgh fan. East of P- Penn State, you're an Eagles fan. West of Penn State, you're a Pittsburgh fan. That We know that's rule of thumb. When it comes to, you know, um, <laughs> that guy, it's, it's just irritating because it's like, you know, Jason Peter, we can't be mad at him. He's from Dallas. Like, let him have his shine. He grew up probably a super Dallas fan. Like, you know. He gave us his best years. He's given Dallas nothing. Boy, you can tell me Dallas is the greatest thing in history, and I wish I was here from the time you were drafted. That's fine, Jason. You gave me your best years. Like, your Hall of Fame career is in an Eagles jersey. It ain't never going to be in a star, and I'm okay with and, that. Yeah, and not that much, but, hey, look, if he can squeeze more money out of Dallas and everything, more power to him. He's made over, he's made over like, what, $150 million dollars. NFL. And then think okay. about him anchoring that left side of the line, and we come playing him. Listen, I love you, Jason. <laughs> Boy, we Turns will tear out. you up like a past that uh, old country buffet on a Sunday after service. Nah, forgive country buffet. Shady Maples. Oh, Shady Maples is going to be bad for him. Like a Perkins. <laughs> oh, 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 you hit me with the Perkins. Like, that's high school career. Lord, <laughs> the pancakes used to go in. Bob nah, I, I, go, I go further back. Bennigan's. Ben again, you know what? See, I, I was telling Chris, and nobody could hear me because I was like mouthing this. I love this man. 
He is amazing. You got to call back every week because he knows the tea. Yeah. Bennigan's was the truth. Mm-hmm. I hey. used to take my little dates to Bennigan's in high school. And I'm going to tell you now. Man, we used to go there every Sunday at the church. What? And girls back yeah, then didn't was... complain about stuff like that. They got excited about things like that. And now true story. True story. The one that used to be in Springfield, we went there one Sunday with a second family in there. They decided not to service, you know, because of a certain pigment of our uh, our skin color and whatnot. Most definitely. Uh, yeah, trust me, uh, Chris. Trust me, uh, your your mom, mom, your aunt Gigi, your uncle, you know, they they, they all got with it and everything. Let's just say we got a free meal. <laughs> <laughs> Bennigan's, man, I remember when they closed down. That used to that was Club Benny, Benny's on on Baltimore Pike. Hmm. Yep, and I'll tell you something else to close down. Maybe head to your my sizzler. Ooh, Sizzla with the frog legs. They don't know nothing about that. Yeah, Chris, before your time, man. Before yeah, your time. Now, yeah. Now, now we got us going way, way back good, in time. Good time down 69th Street. Let me tell you something. Right there next to the old Cheers bar. They definitely don't remember about the old. That's that's nostalgia right there. Cheers used to be right on the corner of 69th Street. You had Sizzlas next to Cheers. You used to go get your frog legs, and then you can go, man. Sizzles was further down. It was next to where the Wendy's used to be. Okay, yes, it well, was. On the other side, the same side of the street where the terminal is. Come on, back in the day, yep. oh, man. Okay. Good times, good times, good times. I Those know. were good times. So I'm going to let y'all go with Chris. <laughs> one more. Hey, Chris, got to give a shout-out. Today is your Aunt Sylvia Slugger Norris' birthday. Mm-hmm. Shout-out. Give a happy heavenly birthday. Love you. Miss you. Yep. That's right. Is it, that was that was um she she called every nephew her favorite nephew yeah <laughs> and she could get me and Chris mixed up she's like yeah. come here Chris like I'm not Chris I'm Marlon okay come here Marlon I'm not Marlon I'm Chris y'all know who y'all are <laughs> <laughs> oh God it's like yesterday. great talking to y'all keep up the great work okay Likewise. and let's get they better get the job done on Monday or trust me they're gonna be burning they, 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 they Jonathan Gannon is gonna have a hard Jonathan Gannon and uh, Nick Sirianni are gonna have a hard time at the press conference on Monday listen, just, or Tuesday trust me. Listen, Gannon gonna have that hard listen, time. Just no Jalen Rager uh, ice the game catches, please, because oh radio waves are gonna be on fire the oh next day. If he do, if he does, Chris, oh, if Rager has a great game, I'm naming my first daughter Rager. <laughs> if Rager, gonna, yep, you heard it on air. We, if Rager, me, if, people out there say we traded the wrong Jalen. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I see that happening. Philly, I, can I see, see that, that too. You should have gave up Hurts. Oh you gave up Rager. Now it hurts. We gave up the wrong Rager. We should have traded. We should have traded Hurts instead of Rager. Oh man! Oh, man. All those armchair quarterbacks. The guys, take it easy. Stay safe. Go Birds. All right, Go man. Birds. Appreciate the call. All right. Oh man, as per usual, my dad's always a good call. Your dad is awesome. Yes, your dad is. awesome. Yeah. Well, well, you only got a few minutes, so I just want to give a quick shout out. You know, my Sylvia. You know, happy birthday to her. Also, happy birthday shout out. Cause even though it's on the fifteenth. He's not on the show today. Happy birthday to my co-host, my brother, Jamal. Jamal, the bean pie eating, the basketball shooting, the skillet flipping, the brother who is amazing and compassionate and kind as he is talented in the kitchen. Jamal, if you are listening, this goes out to you. To Aunt Sylvia, this goes out to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, you beautiful rascals. Happy birthday to you. And that lovely birthday song, I feel like that's a good way to clean this up. Once again, this is Chris Thomas. I am Corey Moore. And you've been listening to the Running Back Sports Show, Sports for the Culture, every Tuesday from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern. Stay tuned on 98.5 WJY and on Uptown Radio, Philly.org. Coming up next, we got hip hop since 1987. Yeah, yeah. On the airwaves.
Until then, we'll see you next time.